But my message today, more specifically, is for those that haven't yet received their first booster. The immunity conferred by a primary series of two doses of vaccines administered in 2021 has now waned. While you might have gotten infected, risk is high you could get reinfected with all the downfall, including the risk of developing symptoms of long COVID. As health experts and physicians will tell you, it's critical that you go and get the shot that's waiting for you. Les études scientifiques sont claires. Scientific studies clearly show that our protection from the initial two-dose vaccine decreases over time. Our immunity level evolves in a dynamic way uh, as a function of uh, time and uh, variants. The virus evolves, and Omicron cruelly made us aware that we will never be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Like the virus, our immunity also evolves, and Omicron made us understand that two doses are no longer enough. We have to maintain our vaccinations up to date. Fortunately, receiving a booster dose of COVID-19 against COVID-19 when recommended improves this protection. We now know that being up to date with your vaccinations means you can reduce your risks of transmission of infection of severe symptoms and your risks of developing long COVID. That's why it's essential that Canadians remain up to date with their vaccines. And what does being up to date mean? Being up to date with your vaccinations means that you've received your last dose uh, during the last nine months. If you've already received your first booster dose, congratulations. However, find out in order to see when or if and when you'll be eligible for a new dose. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, July 8th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Give me a heads up in the chat how the mic sounds today. Thank you for joining me. I have a absolutely fantastic show planned for you today, jam-packed with the last three days of everything. It's probably going to be a long show. For those that don't know, I took a couple days because I had some family in town and I'm still trying to get my puppy in line. You know how that goes. And there's a lot going on. I mean, I, that's always been, it's been like that for quite a long time. But this 24-hour news cycle is impossible by design, I would argue. And there is just an endless amount of information. And I'm doing my best to get it, you know, in a concise form, which is the joke that we, amongst the TLAV community, you know, that we're more jam-packed in three, four days worth of content in a few hours. That is actually the, con- the definition of concise in one form. But obviously, these are long shows, so some people take issue with that. But I am making this a jam-packed show today with so many important things. So I'm just going to really quickly, for those that aren't used to the longer shows, going to kind of give you a quick breakdown of what we're going over today so you can try to stay tuned. I'm going to start with a couple of updates on some things that we recently talked about just to really fine-tune this for people, make sure we're aware, things like the FDA not requiring clinical trials for the new booster shots, 
And this is important because this is something we were covering before even Reuters was telling you that was going to happen. And now that's coming out and letting you know that they're not going to be testing safety for these things coming up in the future. We're going to talk about a Telegraph article that's admitting something that we've been censored for, I mean, probably 10 different times, that there is an increase of, of excess mortality in a lot of places that has nothing to do with COVID and they're baffled by it. What could possibly be happening? I think you guys have at least a guess. Weird how those experts can't even fathom what could possibly be going on. Very interesting in that regard. But of course, we're going to talk about the odd, just collapsing of the of the the the, the, what, the British health minister, the prime minister, and I think fifty different members of parliament all quitting, resigning. Which is very interesting, isn't it? What are they running from? I think we might have a guess at that as well. But of course, it's all about how Boris didn't do right, and we're resigning in protest. And interesting how. That is how that seems to go, where we just resign. What about all the criminal activity that we're all pointing at? Oh, you resign and it's all washed away, apparently. That doesn't work for us, does it? Interesting. We're going to talk about a little thing about Roe versus Wade, the executive order that was put out. And that leads into a disinformation conversation about all the different things that they're claiming are disinformation, but some really important conversations about how this is going to be going forward and how that's going to be controlling your conversations that leads into COVID-19, monkeypox. And we're going to go over some interesting conversations about the vaccine. Uh, an article coming from Uruguay that adds it in the same conversation of India and a couple of others where they're demanding to know the ingredients of the injections. And then guess what? Pfizer runs. Because that's what you do when you're transparent and honest. You hide and run away from countries. I thought you were altruistic trying to help everybody save from COVID-19. And the moment they just want to know what's in the thing, you run. That's what's happening. And it's interesting because Uruguay's government is actually demanding to know if there's graphene oxide in the injection. That'll interest a lot of people, but that's not being talked about anywhere, despite an entire country making that argument, not the first one. And they're now also suspending for children. We'll get into all of that today. We have a Supreme Court case from New South Wales that is ex out simply outlining very clearly that this woman challenged, simply asked questions about the COVID-19 injections in school and got kicked out of school for it. Not surprising, it's in line with everything else we're seeing. We're going to go over the clip I played there in the beginning, not the clip you already saw, but that as a conversation about the idea that apparently in Canada, you're never, ever again fully vaccinated. You're just in line for your next injection forever, which is exactly what plenty of the conspiracy theorists told you they thought would happen. We couldn't prove that, but the idea is looking at their past actions, looking at their data, looking at their think tanks and what they outline, and we go, yeah, you're probably going to be in line for injections forever. And then here we go. Exactly what we told you boosters forever and we're going to go back to some different locations that have been backing that up for a long time now and how they're pushing aggressively this injection despite all the things that we're seeing and understand they're not pushing it based on data anymore they you know have morgan freeman shuffle out and say hey you trust me go get your injections because you trust me i'm not even making that up if you haven't seen that making st stars go out and use their clout to say you trust me well then trust this that is alarming to me. I just can't even get past that. Then we're going to talk about monkeypox and how this is. I mean, I, and I know I didn't feel like this was going to be the thing and it still might not be depending on where we go next, but they are lining up those dominoes for monkeypox right now. And I'll show you why I think that. And it's quite interesting. It's, the, it's everything we saw with COVID-19, which is, by the way, the argument I made in the beginning of monkeypox that should they have want, should they want to, it's got all the trappings of the COVID-19 illusion. PCR test now enter asymptomatic monkeypox, whatever that means. We're going to talk about the Dutch farmers and what's been going on there. Kind of both sides of this, actually, because I think it's interesting how these protests seem to be exacerbating the supply chain. And maybe that's a means to an end. I'm not going to say it's the wrong action, but interesting nonetheless. But we'll go over all of that, go over the 
tyrannical actions of multiple countries right now and other peoples are revolting, which is exactly what the governments are afraid of and framing you as the bad guy for you pushing back against tyrannical actions. One quick touch on some Ukraine things and we will finish talking about something I find very, very interesting. So please stay tuned to the end. It's talking about ESG, which is environmental, social, I believe, and, and governance. And it's basically talking about how they can equitably, sustainably pr- pr- uh, promote different actions in the world. Now, it sounds all nice and good until you realize that that's just words they're using and implying those words to things that aren't even remotely what they sound like, such as how the EU just actually declared nuclear power and gas as green energy. You know, Ignorance is strength, freedom of slavery, war is peace. You know, the flip-flop of everything we're talking about today. Everything means nothing, nothing means everything. But this is something we already covered. Way back when, if you remember, when they first floated the idea and said, well, we're going to talk about this because the defense industry is pleading with us saying, well, we're fighting for Ukraine. So isn't that defending democracy, which is therefore defending our future direction for green and sustainable? Of course, that makes sense for the people that want to push military and war and the merchants of death. We'll get into all of that. So stay tuned to the end. I'm going to start off today with an article that I want to shout out from Derek that went up today, which is just, it's excellent, excellent work by Derek Rose. I mean, this is an in-depth, real deal investigative journalist investigation here. And this is the kind of thing that is not being discussed. This is the large discussion about the Utah ritualized, ritualized sexual abuse investigation. Now, a lot of people stay away from this kind of stuff because they feel like it is conspiracy theory, despite Maxwell and Epstein and all the different things we're watching get played out in real time, but then you t- you point out something else. Ah, oh, that's fake news. Isn't that QAnon stuff? Yeah, that's what they use to make this seem fake, but this is legitimate, dangerous, horrific kind of stuff. This is part five of Derek's investigation around what's going on in Utah, or rather the investigation being conducted by multiple states and the FBI, and yet weird how we haven't heard this on the news anywhere, right? This is the fifth part where he focuses specifically on the Mormon church, and the background there. I mean, it's it's this is a rough article, by the way, guys, but it needs to be pointed out. So please check it out. But it's, you know, graphic warning, I guess, in the content, because it's pretty rough. If you have, if you have a hard time reading about child abuse, which everybody anybody does, I would imagine. But, you know, if you're especially sensitive to it, this is a hard one to read. So heads up. But it's very important to understand what has been happening in the Mormon church and outside of it in regard to the different things, uh, specifically the one of the um, investigator uh, prosecutors for Utah who isn't caught up in all of this seems to be guilty as far as we can tell based on the evidence is that this goes back a long way. And the person you can see in the picture there has been accused by people in his family, uh, in-laws, siblings of his own, his own children accusing him and, and being involved with all sorts of sexual manipulation for children. And then the investigation just get dropped. Now, you can look into it for yourself, but I recommend that people actually understand what's happening here because it doesn't appear that the governments or the police departments, outside of specifically today, the Utah's police department that's seeming to be driving this forward, so what changed is the question. But outside of that, this has been under wraps for a long time. It deserves detention, whether it's for the kids or just the fact that this kind of thing gets overlooked and people like this get away with it. And that is not something we're okay with on this channel. Now, to start off with the very I, alarming just doesn't do it discussion that we've already had about the new boosters for the B5, B point, uh, the, the BA.4 and 0.5 variants. Now I talked about this already and I made, I made it clear in the different art, in the different discussions. The first one was simply telling you as plenty of others did FDA's quote, future framework means no more safety testing. 
And of course, as always, not that it matters, but you guys, yes, you guys know, all sorts of comments and Twitter comments. You got fake news. That would never happen. You don't understand science. Oh, maybe you're right. Certainly possible. Well, here's the other one I followed up when they voted to move forward with the framework. And still, they said that you don't understand. That's not what's actually happening. And enter Reuters coming out with their article. And now it's real because Reuters says so. FDA will not require clinical trial data to authorize redesigned COVID boosters. That is a jam-packed sentence right there. And that is crazy. Now, obviously, the main point that I point out there is authorize. So now we're going, we're not even on the same injection level anymore. And we're still authorizing. What about the ones from before? We have the approval versions. There aren't even circulation. And we're redesigning these things without any safety testing. And we're still emergency authorizing them. I thought this, I mean, the, the concept of the BA four and five variants, they say, if that's what we're dealing with, they're not more dangerous. Understand that. It's transmissible, if that's even what's happening. That's why, isn't it noteworthy that we don't talk about how deadly these are anymore, just how transmissible they are, as if that then immediately guarantees a translate to death? Sort of like the monkeypox conversation. We'll get into that. Apparently, they're trying to say three deaths have happened in Africa. We'll talk about that. My point is that this does not seem like something that is actually dangerous. It just simply is something that can spread, if that's even what's happening. And But we've, they've pushed everybody into this position in the world, in their minds, where that's just unacceptable. We can't allow that except we have for the last hundreds of years we've been living in this situation. That's life. There's always going to be risk, but that's what they want. They want to build this situation where they can push in the fear of any kind of hypothetical bio threat and you fall into line. Doesn't mean it's not there, but the question should be, is it worthy of this kind of lockdown control forced mandates? The answer is always no, always. You should always have a choice. That's a running theme here, isn't it? Here's what it says. The U.S. FDA, the FDA will not require companies to submit clinical trial data. So understand, not even safety testing. They are not even required to submit data at all on these new vaccines modified to protect against the BA4 and BA5 versions of Omicron in order to authorize these shots. Emergency authorized at a time when we're not in a, we're not in a pandemic, according to everybody, it seems. The, we're past that phase. We're only pointing forward and maintaining the emergency based on the ongoing effects of COVID, which will always be there because they're pointing at everything under the sun. Regardless of whether you agree with that, the point is, how can you argue that we're in an emergency when this is becoming, there are entire countries that are moving back from this and saying that we're just living with this great Barrington Declaration style or the fact that we're not, we're the idea of how many deaths and what, who it's affecting. I mean, all of these factors are incredibly important into whether or not we should be emergency authorizing things, which inherently means we don't know if it's safe despite what they keep yelling at you. It means that we, what we do know outweighs what we think we know about the danger. That's the reality. It's what it outlines on all the pages, CDC's page, FDA p, uh, page about what emergency authorized means. So how do you argue that in this case? They're telling you the ones you're taking right now are safe and effective. So why wouldn't they take the time to make sure that they're enough to be approved? Because if they approve it, then you can sue them. We are in the middle of a massive criminal activity here, guys. And I don't think most of the people involved even know that. That's, of course, my opinion, but the data backs that up. Dr. Peter Marks, head of the agency's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, told Reuters the agency will rely on, get this, data from clinical trials vaccine makers have run on shots designed to combat the BA1 lineage. So let's break that part down. Reuters was told that they will, they, 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 the CDC 
the FDA, all these groups, and this is specifically the Center for Biologics Evaluation Research, the group that's evaluating these things for the FDA, are not are going to rely on trial data given to them by people like Pfizer. You know, the groups that have billions of dollars paid out in fraud and crimes and false claims and all the different things we've shown you. I'll show you again later in the show. And so we're going to trust their trial data they're giving you. Thank you. That's right there. That's a compromise. And that's on, that's not even data aligned with this information. It's data that we've already seen from the earlier lineage. That, by the way, people are picking through right now and going, this is crazy garbage. This is dangerous. They're hiding this. They're covering that up right now. And that data is apparently enough to allow them to recreate this thing under some new direction for something that's not even circulating. Understand that again. This is something that's no longer there in the broader sense. Let me just show you this real quick. Or is it right here? Okay. BA5, now dominant. No, I shouldn't say no longer there, but the point is the vast majority of people dealing with this, dealing with this thing, BA5. Now, just because they try to split it off into 14 different, I mean, it's what's funny is in the beginning, it was a variant, right? So alpha, beta, and so on. Now it's variants of variants, which are trying to make it sound like it's the same thing. It's BA5, 6, 100, BA, 90,000. The point is they're just, that's a new variant. So if we're doing, something is different. Again, I'm arguing from within their narrative. I don't even believe this is necessarily what's happening. But that means that you're creating antibodies for something that is no longer there. That's what we're talking about. As well as manufacturing data for emergency use authorization submissions before the fall. So this is coming. They're already doing this. They're using emergency authorization. And they're pretending that data from a long time ago even relates to what we're dealing with today. This is outrageous, unscientific criminal activity. I mean, it, it, what's crazy is it's not just some fringe conspiracy theorist in their basement making these claims. There is a lot of experts and doctors and scientists, Nobel laureates, people all around the world, entire countries that are standing up and going, this is dangerous. Yet we have our government in the White House shout you all down and building entire groups to censor people that dare to point this out. It's absolute madness. Now, these are the shows I include, so you can watch those again if you want to watch the buildup. But they're already trying to cover this up, in my opinion. Now, this is not even necessarily a false statement. But what's funny is this article also, and this is what I always point out, they love to speak out of both sides of their mouth. Lockdowns are great and they save lives, except here's all the problems they cause. You know, it's like whenever they want to play it both ways. Don't forget, by the way, that lockdowns, according to the WHO, are the last thing we should be doing. Should never be the first, the primary means of, of control, as they've told us many times. Let's see if I still have that in here. Yeah, check this. I mean, I, I play, this is back from like 2020. And yet right now, they're already talking about lockdowns for everything else, potential monkeypox and so on. I want to say it again. Uh, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers. Who are... And he goes on to say that the only, co- the only side effect essentially is making poor, not the only, but the worst side effect is making poor people poorer, destroying our lives and so on. So now that we talk about it as the standing first action when you find an issue, it's just that is literally in contradiction to what the WHO was saying, despite the fact that the WHO now is saying that people like, uh, what's his name, Kevin something and, the, and Tedros, these people are standing up and arguing this. So was that guy a fake news conspiracy theorist? Was he wrong? No, because the data completely backs it up. We have destroyed everything for the idea that we will feel the illusion that that lockdown would help and stop COVID cases. It was at all costs, 
everything else, destroy your jobs, the economy, schools, futures, mental health, all the lower case numbers. <laughs> if that's even what happened, which by the way, it didn't. And we'll go through that too. But this article, in my opinion, viruses that were on hiatus during COVID are back. Excuse me for one second. Or not. I felt like I was going to sneeze. <laughs> so viruses were on hiatus during COVID are back and behaving in unexpected ways. Now, again, that's not even a false statement necessarily, right? Because that w- anything you would do that's so dramatic, such a massive action change, things will act differently. Things will evolve differently. Everyone inside, you know, half the population inside for two years, that things will change in some way. Who knows, really, but unexpected. I mean, it makes sense. But the idea that now that's why this is happening, that's my point. Because you can read the article. The idea is all these different things that are popping up and new side effects, heart attacks and this and all these different things happening to people. Rashes and cancers. Oh, it's because of the lockdowns and people weren't allowed to go in and treat themselves. Well, that's exactly what we were saying when that was happening. And you called us conspiracy theorists. But see, both sides of this make sense or don't, depending on what, what side you're taking. But my point here is that this is a way that I argue you're getting ahead of what is going to be coming or already is happening. Arguing that, oh yeah, it's because of the thing we thought we were doing, it was right, and we're going to do it again, by the way, but it, because they're all acting differently. All the viruses every which way are exploding in different ways because of this. I remember what Ryan Cole said, and plenty of others told you, that they're seeing explosions of everything, that these shots are making every other problem, just exacerbating everything. Is that why? Is it because the lockdowns? Because people didn't go to the hospital? It may be a little bit of both. But at the very least, you know that when things start happening, they will be lumped into this argument. And they will not acknowledge the fact that what they did would cause something like this. And here is the evidence of exactly that point. Telegraph reporting excess deaths are on the rise, but not because of COVID. They're baffled. We're baffled. Like in Canada, we're baffled by these mysterious neurological diseases, ignoring four different peer-reviewed studies that all find that COVID vaccines can cause neurological disorders. But we're baffled. We're so baffled. Now, where have we heard that before? Is this still fake news now, guys? I guess only when the independent media makes the same objective observation. And that's all the point is. We can simply go, look at this, guys. Look, look, all these people are dying and it's not related to COVID. Censored. Fake news. We've all seen it. But now the Telegraph comes out and makes the same exact point. And, oh, we're considering this as something different. But now it's because they're trying to dump it onto things like this. That's the whole article. It's about all the excess side effects of our positive actions. Our saving lives caused these side effects. That's not even what really happened, but that's what they'd love to do. Office for National Statistics data leads health experts to call for urgent investigation into what is causing the excess mortality. Now, sure, investigate. We should investigate, regardless of what we think may happen. Investigation is necessary. But do we believe they're going to actually come to the conclusion, or if they do, that they'll tell us that it was the injection that caused it? Will they even try to find out if that's a catalyst or a possible cause? Of course not. They will start off the investigation like we've seen every... I shouldn't say, of course not, because I don't know who's doing it. My gut tells me that's not going to happen. And what they'll do is, like every other situation, start off with the premise that, well, because we know it's not the vaccine, what could it be? And that's how you start. So you enter in wrong data to begin and you get bad information. That's how that works. Hundreds more people than usual are dying each week in England and Wales. Have you heard this before? You have, because we've been talking about it for months and months. It's called the pandemic of the injected or unvaccinated. 63% of UK deaths are fully vaccinated as CDC doubles down on the pandemic of the unvaccinated. This was October 20th, 2021. That wasn't even the first one, by the way. I just pulled up two because I got so many tabs open today. Here's the other one. This one is from February 3rd, 2022. 
UK fully vaxxed account for 92% of the cases, 70% of the hospitalizations, and 81% of deaths in the last month alone. Now, this was, I think, the last one before they stopped showing you the data. So here we are. You can't see the data anymore because you don't understand. <laughs> you guys, are you don't know science. You can't read studies. So we're going to hide it from everybody because that makes sense, right? Then enter Telegraph. Baffling deaths are on the rise, but we can't figure out why. Well, the data showed you why, but you just don't want to acknowledge it. Now, remember, we showed you the UK data has made it very clear that even the risk per 100,000 for catching COVID was almost four times as high for almost every age category, I think below 18, uh, below 18. Almost four times. In some cases, it was over four times. The risk, understand, per 100,000, not the majority. They can't hide from that. That's why they immediately started dumping this off. I've showed you the old reports. So if you have a four time the risk of catching COVID and they argue that transmission is what you can, how it continues to spread and make variants, well, they are the ones continuing this problem if you even believe that's what's happening. But nope, doesn't apply. That facts and data don't matter when it shows you what they don't want you to see. But it says with COVID not to blame for the majority of deaths, according to their data. Latest data from the ONS, the Office for National Statistics, show there were 1,540 excess deaths just in one week, ending in June 24th. But only around 10% were due to COVID, or whatever they say that is. Right? Remember, even those are subjective. With PCR tests, false positives, with people being told, being tested and then dying from something else and gets called COVID, we, we, they've admitted this themselves. Health experts have called for an urgent investigation into what is behind the excess mortality. With fears of the pandemic response, lack of access to health care, that's interesting, and even the cost of living crisis may be to blame. So everything except the obvious. Now, again, I'm not arguing that we know for sure that that is the thing. Now, obviously, everything we've shown you makes it like, if I were a betting man, this would be my entire life savings on the line. But you still, to be objective, can't say we can prove that we know that these are specifically all due to that. Because we're honest, you see, that's what they would never do. But the ridiculousness of not even including that, an injection that they've told you can cause all sorts of deadly issues, super rare, fine, give them that even though that's not true. Yet here we are, and they don't even mention that. I mean, that is a huge red flag. Professor Paul Hunter, professor in medicine at the University of East Anglia, said some of the excess could be people whose health was weakened by COVID. By COVID. So people just get COVID and then get better, but apparently they die from other things. We, we can't even acknowledge that. I mean, I, I could go off at the same point. It just drives me crazy. They just keep driving in this point, the point. Now, remember, we've already shown you that things like myocarditis, they've, they've lied to you about the actual correlation over and over and over. Now, I'll grab this real quick in case. Uh, oh, that's the wrong button. Hold on one second. There we go grab the myocarditis study we just showed just in case people want to see that. Or unless I can't find it, which is interesting. Shoot. Let me check something. There it is. Good. I don't have that saved. Oh, is that? Okay, there it is. In any case, this is the recent peer-reviewed study from April 2022. It simply finds very clearly that post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with myocarditis or pericarditis. Again, reiterates, we did not observe an increased incidence of either one of those in adult patients recovering from COVID. None. 
So what? So this just blows up their entire argument. Now I'm not saying one study changes it all. But that's that's how they try to do it when they get a study they like. The point is this is a peer-reviewed study, so it should matter. You should consider it in the conversation. You should also consider all the studies that were done before. The, the point is that most of the studies done before are subjective. There's a lot of issues, and we've gone through those each one, tooth and nail. This isn't being this isn't being discussed, acknowledged, any of it. So when they point at COVID or long COVID or all these different things, they're they're ultimately resting on observational media discussion, not peer-reviewed science. The infection is known to increase the risk of stroke and heart attacks, they add. What else is supposed to do that? Oh, that's right. The injections that we keep showing you. Way, way more prevalent than what they're trying to tell you is happening. But he, he warned that there may be other more complex factors at play. Maybe that's his way of sliding that in without saying it because he know he'll get fired probably. Some might also be down to other impacts of the pandemic, such as problems in accessing healthcare, delays, referrals for treatments, and then things related to the restrictions we lived under, such as reduced activity and sedentary lives. Everything except the obvious. So everyone just starts dying because they were sedentary? No, as my point before, there would be an increase for sure. People that didn't treat their cancers, people that didn't go in for other things. But how can you not include the obvious with millions, over 2 million reports of side effects, 20,000 plus reported deaths on VAERS? And don't forget, even the UK said in 2006 that reports like VAERS, you don't need to prove them. That's not what it's there for. It's just a safety signal. And a small amount of them is more than enough to pull a drug just to be safe. They said that in 2006 from the UK's government. Today, suddenly completely different. Isn't that interesting? Now, they're all fake news. We didn't prove any of them. Why is that happening? It's weird how the one time it explodes and the system finally works and shows you a signal, they just ignore it. Quote, I think the reality is going to be quite complex, but it's something we do need to be aware of and actually try and understand. We'll see if that actually comes through. Dr. Charles Levinson, the chief executive of the private GP company, Dr. Call, also called for a government inquiry into what was causing so many deaths at home. It feels like this person does kind of see what I'm talking about, but that's well, it's not very clear. Just my my impression. The ONS reported 752 excess deaths in the home in the last week, latest week, one week, 752 people died in their homes. These are people, in my opinion, guys, that are collapsing, blood clots, heart attacks, anything else we've talked about. There's a lot of other things, thrombosis, but they're all sort of related in different ways. 30% more than usual, a 30% increase in the week in excess death, not related to COVID. My God, if you had, if this was any other point in history, this would have been unbelievable. But to them, eh, you know, lockdowns or something, we'll look into it. This is exactly why a proper government investigation is required, he said. This is not just displacement from hospitals. You see, he's doing, that's not just what it is. I do not understand how this is not being properly discussed. He sees something. That's my opinion. Calling him out. How, the point is, this should have already been addressed a year ago because we already knew it then. If anything, the situation seems to be worsening. Now ask yourself how that makes sense with something that's supposed to be. Remember their argument that the COVID injections lowered your, your, your debt mortality in every possible way? That was an actual study, an actual article. Apparently not. Because <laughs> these are all people that are taking the injection. And that's what we're talking about. Right here is the disinformation discussion, right? Because we're coming from a point where they're trying to tell you, at the very least, they're spreading things that are omitting lots of information. But on top of that, 
blatantly lying to you when it comes to certain things like myocarditis, like the risks, like the fact that what they're doing here is trying to censor dangerous misinformation as, as opposed to people objectively covering the facts. I'm not saying that there aren't people out there spreading misinformation. Of course there are. But that's their right. And that has nothing to do. They have every right to say whatever they want. The fact that they say things and people make actions based on that is not their fault. That's the person's fault. We have agency. But you see what they're doing there and in and of itself is creating a situation where you're not responsible for your own actions. The government will step in and take care of it like everything else. Who in the world wants that? New York Times reports there is wide agreement across the federal government that disinformation campaigns threaten to exacerbate public health crises, stoke racial divisions, and undermine democracy. Well, aside from the illusion of the democracy point, those are all things they're doing, like blatantly on the surface doing. Exacerbating public health crises by by fear-mongering and and blatant unconstitutional mandates, stoking racial divisions by exactly doing that. Using these kind of divides and arguments and partisan talking points from their, I mean, what's funny is they point to partisanship as the problem here, but who's doing that? Partisanship doesn't just, uh, just materialize on its own. The parties are the reason partisanship exists. So is it the people's fault? No, it's the government's fault. So you're pointing, when they do this, they're pointing at only one side here, and I'll show you why, because of course, it's the bad guy Republicans. Honestly, the point is that both sides of the government are ridiculous and an illusion, but they're pointing at the people that are Republicans, that believe in that, some, some just believing in certain ideals, but arguing that all the conservatives of this country are the ones doing this and they're at fault. That's just incredibly alarming. That's civil war talk, and that's where we've been for a long time. Here's the article. Disinformation has become another untouchable problem in Washington. Well, that's not true, by the way, because they're still moving and they're still taking action. That's just the illusion acting like we're, we're hands are tied because we follow the rules. Not true. Untouchable is a lie. They're actively censoring people constantly. But what's interesting is if it was true, thank God, because you should not have the right to censor people's discussions. Again, you have the right to be wrong. That's the first point, because how do they know you're intentionally doing so? You could spread something and believe you're right believe in what you heard and you could be wrong. That's your right. But you know what? You also have a right to be wrong on purpose. Now I could point that out and say that's that's bad and those people are part of the problem and they're, you know, they're doing something that misleads people, but I will defend their right to do so because it's their right to say what they want. It's called free speech. What they're doing with these actions is slowly deter- mater- deteriorating, excuse me, the idea of what free speech is. One by one, slowly, just like Second Amendment, like any other thing they want to take away from you. And what's funny is, remember when it was fake news that they even wanted to do that? Now it's just on the surface. Guns are bad. Remove these things. Actively discussing Second Amendment and changing these things, even though these are supposed to be inalienable, right? Inherent. Unable to be taken away from you. Disinformation has become another untouchable problem. Nina Jankowitz became the target of disinformation. Oh, she's a victim. Don't you feel bad for her because her lies got exposed? Oh, I feel bad for her. That's how they're trying to frame this, right? She was a victim. Republican lawmakers and conservative commentators denounced it as exactly that. Fake news. Calling it an Orwellian attempt to stifle dissenting views. Well, here's what's interesting. You know me, a two-party illusion. And I'll point out that Republican and Democrat lawmakers alike are all ridiculous clowns, in my opinion, for the most part. Some of them have their moments. But I agree with that statement. Does that make me a conservative? In their minds, they would do that. It's easy as that. Oh, he says this? He's a conservative. Can't you tell? Well, even if I don't think that, it doesn't matter. We know. We know because you wear a red hat. 
That's how dumb this is today. Even though I don't wear a red hat, the point was simply that that's how subjective it is. The point is an Orwellian attempt to stifle dissenting views. Now, who doesn't agree with that? And by the way, it's both sides. The Republicans are also doing that when it comes to things around Democrat conversations, but in completely different veins of thought. So when you're just talking about this discussion, it only looks like one side is doing it, but you have to stand back and look at everything. The point is the government wants to be able to dictate that from day to day. Not the left, not the right, but your government. These are tools being used, mechanisms and levers being used to shift back and forth. Orwellian attempts to stifle your views. Even if you're wrong, you have a right to say these things. So did some critics from the left, by the way, they add. Well, it's interesting. Wait a minute. Pump the pump the brakes. So you're telling me that Republicans and Democrats both thought this was Orwellian and we're all wrong? Wait a minute. Doesn't that give you a glimpse, crack through the door of what they really are? One thing censoring everybody? Yes, it does. There were some left critics who questioned the powers that, that sh- such an office might wield in the hands of Republican administrations, of course. But it's about, well, one day it might end up in the hands of the bad guys. But you see how that also shows you that they see, or at least they frame it as good and bad. Republicans are white supremacist maniac terrorists, and we're the good guys fighting for freedom. This isn't a foreign country, guys. They're talking about half the country, or rather half of the presented illusion of the country. I believe most of the country lives in the middle ground that doesn't discuss themselves as left or right. But think about how crazy that is. Well, they may end up getting it as Republicans, and they're, of course, going to do bad things because we know that all Republicans are bad. That's the insinuation. That's just always on the surface now. That used to be stuff that you didn't speak out loud. Now it's just right on the surface. There is wide agreement across the federal government that coordinated disinformation campaigns threaten to exacerbate public health emergencies, stoke ethnic and racial divisions, and undermine democracy itself. So what kind of disinformation? And what applies is disinformation? Who gets to decide what it is? Is disinformation simply questioning whether these are safe? Well, yeah, they've already shown that. So now it becomes even questioning the narrative falls in the category of disinformation. We've already seen that happen. So when they try to frame this as we, we're attacking them for that, they go, well, no, we're only, we're only trying to remove things that are dangerous. And everyone on their side goes, yeah, see, that's only dangerous stuff. Well, okay, well, we don't think that's dangerous. See, there's a, a line there. You don't get to be the arbiter of what you decide is right and wrong, what is good and bad, but that's how they apply this. Even the government itself, understand, is supposed to be the living embodiment of what we all want collectively. See, this idea that they're the government that makes laws and you have to abide by them, that's crazy. That's, that is what they try to create. That's why I point out that the voting discussion, it's, it's, we are, it's an illusion we live in, where they do ultimately do that and we pretend that we're the ones making the calls. The board's fate, however, has underscored, my point was, by the way, that's not how it's supposed to be. The board's fate, however, has underscored how deeply partisan the issue has become in Washington, making it nearly impossible to consider addressing the threat. Okay, so it's partisan, meaning that one side has a different opinion. Now, why is that inherently bad? You see my point? Like, it's the idea is if there is split, what we should be debating and discussing, not just claiming that the entire other side of the argument are all terrorists, all evil, bad people trying to hurt the country. That's how childish and bottom of the barrel this has gotten today. Oh, we we lost the election? Well, of course they cheated, which, by the way, they always do. But the point is, it always happens. Oh, Russia helped and stuff. Or maybe it was Venezuela. Whatever. They cheated. They just, it's just a reflex today. The, few, the failure to act, according to experts, has left openings for new waves of disinformation ahead of the midterm elections. Of course. Here we go. They're already setting the table. For even 
and even for violence like the racist massacre at a Buffalo supermarket in May, which is motivated by a baseless conspiracy theory that glory forces aimed, glory, excuse me, global forces aimed to replace white Americans with immigrants. Now, there's an entire discussion to be had about whether that's actually what this was about, but the bottom line is they're using this individual action to act like anybody spreading how about just asking whether genuine questions about whether that person had motivation, whether there was ties to the government. Can't talk about that. Has it happened before? 100%. Have they been caught for doing this? Yes. So the obvious point is then we should always be able to ask, could that have happened? But not today, because they would call it <clears throat> dangerous misinformation. Now it's saying openings for waves of disinformation like that. Now, wh- I don't even understand how they're caught calling in a wave of disinformation. They just don't like us talking about anything that goes outside what they've presented as the only story. And again, even if you're wrong, you have that right. A prominent author and researcher in the field of disinformation, excuse me, who once advised Ukraine's government, don't forget that point, Mrs. Jankowitz. Isn't that interesting? What a talk about the overlap. Isn't it just a coincidence that she happened to be working, advising the Ukrainian government and suddenly becomes the potential leader of the disinformation censoring movement. I mean, my God, Mrs. Jankowitz, again, this girl here, became a focus of the Fuhrer Fuhrer targeting online by false or misleading information about her role in what crisis, in what critics denounced as a ministry of truth. That's exactly what it was. Just because they argue what they were going to do would have always been the right thing. That is literally what the ministry of truth would say. (laughs) And that point isn't the person himself. What they created is a situation where they subjectively decide what is and is not disinformation. What else would you call that? Now, you could argue they're doing it because they think it's right. But how about the point they just made before? What happens when it falls in the hands of the other side? So they're making the point for you. If anybody at any point could use this for that purpose, then we shouldn't allow it to be put together. Isn't This is how they get. They're talking into both sides of their mouth. If you're admitting the Republicans could do it and turn it into that, well, then we shouldn't allow it. Are we going to pretend the Democrats will be in power forever? Of course, they all love to believe that. It's a game they're playing here, guys. I don't think this was ever supposed to actually happen with this first push. I think it was meant to test the waters or maybe allow her to be pushed back so they could go, oh, what a victim. It proves disinformation is a problem. That's what they're doing. Issues like abortion, guns, and climate change. These are the discussions that are rife with misinformation, they said. Weirdly enough, all the issues that they're using to divide people. Even during the Trump administration, the Department of Homeland Security recognized the threat. Don't forget that, by the way. This was not just Biden, not just Democrats. This exact thing was already building during Trump's administration. Don't forget Bill Barr and the pre-crime discussion that is clearly carried over right into Biden's administration or the medical pre-crime conversation or the fact that he's the one that initiated martial law, essentially, that they handed the baton right over to Biden's administration. This is a group effort. The Federal Elections Commission held a symposium before the 2020 elections to address the issue as well. By then, however, a partisan divide over the issue had already begun to take shape. So they mean some of people disagree that it was the right thing to do. Therefore, evil, of course, right? Its roots began in Russia's interference, get this, guys, in the 2016 election of President Trump, where he and his allies repeatedly denounced as fake, despite Evidence compiled by federal investigators about Russian complicity. I can't, can you believe this is the New York Times? No joke, doubling, tripling, quadrupling down that the information about meddling in Russia's 2016 election was real. I mean, that completely folded like a house of cards. People got completely laughed at. This fell apart. 
And yet now, just like Syria gas attack, they're pointing back after a year ago. Oh, yeah, that old thing. Remember, because Russia, we know they meddled. Well, no, it was literally, in fact, proven that we, or very least to make it clear, that there was never actual sound evidence that it ever happened. I've never put it past any government to do that from the outside. But think about how crazy that is. So now they're in their article about disinformation being a problem. They're literally pointing to specific and blatant proven disinformation. That's my point. They are okay with that. Therefore, that becomes good stuff. I point out dangers of the vaccine, therefore becomes misinformation, despite peer-reviewed science. Disinformation that continues to swirl around COVID-19, like this entire show, they would argue, and the 2020 election of President Biden, which Mr. Trump continues to insist against all evidence, that's a complete blatant lie, was a fraud. Now, was a fraud is kind of a broad and hard statement to prove, but as I made clear, everybody cheated as they always do. Now, in that case, I do believe there was far more evidence on one side, which was in that case, the Democrat side. But that, again, is always a means to an end, in my opinion, about the two-party illusion. But I made a case when you went back to every election, you go back 10 elections, I swear you can prove that there has been different examples of election fraud, voter fraud, fraud in general. I mean, it's, it's been there ever. I mean, you could even go back to the elections where you had the Democrats pointing and saying the other side was committing fraud, except now they go, that never happens. The democracy, you're undermining our democracy. These are children in my mind. The right, quote, the right recognizes it is a way to whip up people in a furor, Mrs. Jankowicz said. Oh, so the, the right, just all of them entirely. You see, that's stupid. That is low, bra, low brow kind of conversation. Like saying, the left is this. That's dumb, guys. That's childish and that's ignorant. Because to argue that, I mean, in a context of race, that's racist. All black people are one way. All white people are one way. That's stupid, ignorant conversation. But that's how they get, that's how they start. They're, they're aiming at the lowest common denominator. Well, the right does this to whip people up. Does what exactly? Disagrees with your opinion? Quote, the problem is there are very real national security issues here. How so? How so is Americans speaking their minds without your control a national security issue? Well, what they argue is that we're somehow being influenced by outside forces. Well, did they ever prove that? No, they did not. Because in my opinion, it's not in fact happening even remotely the way that they say it is. I, I, I give the, cat, the opening there because, of course, I do believe in any sense there are governments from outside, like, like the U.S. does in every country, everywhere it seems, trying to manipulate elections and information. That's what they do today. But it says, and not being able to talk about this in a mature way is a real disservice to the country. Oh, you mean mature, like whitewashing an entire country's half as one thing? They all do this? But we're, they're the immature ones, right? Pathetic. A bipartisan pair of former officials to review the issue of fighting disinformation is, guess who? Michael Chertoff. Whitney Webb would have a lot to say about that. The department's secretary under George W. Bush and, of course, Jamie S. Gorlick, deputy attorney under President Clinton. Yeah, no big deal. We're going to have a bipartisan pair of officials to review this. I wonder what they'll both find on the same team on the same side, despite being left and right illusion, right? Unbelievable. The United States has failed to act on privacy or other matters to rein in the power of social media giants, even as Europe, for example, has moved to force them to disclose how their services amplify divisive content and stop targeting online ads according to a person's ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation. Okay, the point I focus on has moved to force them to disclose how their service amplified divisive content. 
So what's funny about that is that directly contradicts what they first said in that sense right there. This is my point, though. So when they say the U.S. has failed to act on privacy or other matters to rein in power. So, so they're, act, they're acting like they're, they're working for your privacy, except they're talking about censoring people they don't agree with. Right. By saying we want to know how they're amplifying Ryan's content or COVID-19 content. But we we're, we're worried about your privacy, though. The point is they don't act like in their minds it's affecting your privacy because they believe or they claim they're censoring bad stuff. It's all subjective, which is not their right to do. Now, Mr. Grassley said, quote, his idea of disinformation is parents speaking about their kids being taught critical race theory or concerned Americans asking legitimate questions about COVID vaccines. That is real. Now, that's not everybody. Whether you're talking about critical race theory or COVID vaccines, there's plenty of people out there that are, in fact, saying things that I would argue are misinformation. But I keep saying it's their right to do so. The government's not allowed to do that, or they shouldn't be. They don't. Point is, they have a right to speak it. It's inherent. The government does what they want anyway. But those people exist, though, here, simply asking legitimate questions. We've watched it happen. We've watched people who have actually had clinically proven myocarditis from the injection, and they get censored. They get ignored. They get called out. They lose their jobs. We'll talk about a case like that today. Quote, Biden's aim, now here's the problem, see, it should be the government's aim is to use the power of the federal government to shut down speech. We watched that happen during Trump's administration as well, guys. It goes back and forth and back and forth, and each side doesn't want to see it in themselves. Quote, the United States remains in a heightened threat environment fueled by several factors. Heightened threat environment. This is just because they say that. They're arguing your ability to have free speech, which has always been there, is suddenly a heightened threat, including an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Now, the idea that you have the ability to say things they don't agree with that may even be wrong is a heightened threat environment. They are, they are directly attacking free speech. Foreign and domestic actors, the Boltons added, seek to exacerbate societal friction and sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions and encourage unrest which could potentially inspire acts of violence. You know, it's funny about that. I'm sure probably you could argue it's happening. I don't see the evidence. They've never proven that, but I wouldn't surprise, wouldn't surprise me at all. But what we should point out is what that sentence says right there is like a instruction manual for what the U.S. government does everywhere in the world, in Syria, in Venezuela, in Iraq, in Libya, in, 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 in did I say Bolivia? It's every country you could point at, guys, that they have an interest in, they are creating unrest to point that to justify their actions. This has been proven in places like Syria, proven in places like Venezuela, proven in places like Iraq. We can catch them doing so. Or how about Ukraine, where they literally got caught at a, on a phone call between the foreign minister of, I think it was, uh, what was it again, Eurasia, um, Estonia, and a member of European Parliament, openly discussing the fact that people that shot people in Maidan Square in Ukraine were part of the U.S.-backed government, and they covered it up. So that's what they're doing everywhere. They just don't like when you say things that point that out. So they accuse you of that's what they are guilty. We're basically at this point unable to have a calm discussion about the problem. Well, that's not true. We're having calm discussions about this every day, but they censor it. You see? So what they want is to be able to have the illusion of a discussion between people and government, not to allow you to have an honest discussion about this and ask honest questions or what you believe are honest questions. doesn't matter. They're the same thing. This is about censorship, period. And on that note, I want to point out a couple of interesting things around censorship and around the ideas of disinformation in the 
Roe versus Wade conversation or the fact that it seems that people in the UK government are running from the fact that they're being exposed. But first of all, I think you might have seen that Alex Bernison, who, you know, I think he does outstanding work when it came was come to COVID-19, but I've always pointed out, I think his coverage of, of cannabis is, is ridiculous, but that's just being honest. But he got his account back. He, and for the full story, he links to his Substack. You can read it. And I do recommend you follow his work on COVID-19. He's done an outstanding job. But what's interesting is that he got his account back because he went through some massive legal process, which not everybody has the ability to do. So my point was reinstate TLA Vagabond because that's still gone, guys. Say the link, push it out, try to get them to do it. There's no reason that they should be selectively bringing people back who are covering the exact same topics. In my case, Alex and whoever else, a lot of us that have been covering the same flow of information. We have been vindicated on our censored content countless times on the show. You all know that. Now, despite how they try to frame us, and even, by the way, even people in the independent media who have this like subtle impression that we're somehow fake news because they are afraid to associate with us because we tackle conversations that are hard to discuss before they're allowed to be talked about, that kind of thing, that we just get kind of this frame as independent. But the point is that regardless of all of that, you know that watch this show. I could be wrong. We all make mistakes, but I am aggressively held to the idea of being objective, peer-reviewed science. Things we can prove, sticking to the facts, and then having conversations around that. And that's where they try to, oh, no, he's, he's giving his opinions. Oh, how dare he suggest that a government's done things like this before? Conspiracy theory. But the point is, we've been vindicated countless times. You call it misinformation until it's admitted. Yet T-Lab remains censored. And again, not all of us have the resources for a court battle. Get this out there. Force them to address this. And not just me, by the way. It should be every one of us that have been censored like this. Spiro's old account. Plenty of other people that have lost accounts that deserve to be vindicated because they did not spread disinformation. And even if they did, it's their right to, by the way. But that's not the point to make there. I would argue that people like us, we were not spreading things that were false. We were spreading objective conversation and, in fact, peer-reviewed science. Or Whitney Webb, for example. Both of us got censored around the idea that these things were causing blood clots, causing heart attacks. Way back in the beginning. Patreon hit us both. Here we are. Very clearly, that's not true. That's a, that's a true statement. Now, in the idea of fake news, here you go. Right. So this is totally okay, though. We're not going to censor the the articles that everywhere that were praising this individual, arguing that things were happening with the ghost of Kiev and all these Ukraine discussions that they all discussed, and every single one of them were shown to be wildly false, and they just jumped to the next story. By the way, I still see some kind of sub mainstream articles referencing that Russian raping children discussion, even though that official not only got fired for lying, admitted she lied about all of it on multiple shows. And mainstream corporate media still points to that in subtext, like, and because we know this and they move forward, and make another point. That's still happening. Can you believe them? I mean, you can believe it, of course. But here, the Telegraph reports, a celebrity Ukraine volunteer soldier has been exposed as a fraud. Internet sleuths identifying his weapons as nothing more than a mock air gun. Right. And where were the corporate media and their investigation on that obvious point? It took sleuths online that you probably called fake news before it was admitted by the telegraph. Exactly. How dare you undermine Ukraine's fight for freedom would be like CNN and all the rest of them. Think about how obvious and stupid that is. And they're censoring people like us when we call things like that out. Here's a great point that I want to make that I think is hilarious. While we're talking about censoring misinformation, CNN's new boss comes in and basically admits that they weren't doing journalism, which, by the way, should not surprise anybody. But on top of that, 
realize that it's not just CNN. This point's about CNN, but it's not just CNN, guys. These partisan outlets are just that, partisan. You're not news if you're partisan, period. If you're only, because you, that's it's supposed to, the whole idea about news historically is that you are nonpartisan. That's the whole idea. And right up until like a few years ago, they were still trying to stupidly argue that they weren't partisan. And that's just way out of the back now. It's obvious there's partisan news. But CNN's corporate boss, David Zaslav, wants a network for Republicans and Democrats as ranking sync. This is July 6th. Get this, the very first sentence. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO, that's the company that owns CNN, David Zaslav, he said CNN is renewing its focus on, quote, journalism. Oh, really? You're renewing your focus on journalism? As opposed to what, David? What else would you, what have they been doing this entire time? If you have to renew your focus, where did you lose focus to? Propaganda. Entertainment. I mean, you pick it. Whatever else it is, it's certainly not journalism if you have to refocus back on journalism. That's crazy. And these are the very people that actually got people censored. Think about how crazy that is. Journalism first, he says. Now, I don't know for sure whether this guy believes he's doing the right thing or he's just another puppet. Bottom line, though, is I do not believe this will translate anything into anything other than more propaganda. But he steps in and says, journalism first. America needs a new network where everybody can come and be heard. Republicans, Democrats, and so on. I think you're seeing more of that at CNN. We're not going to look at the ratings, and in the long run, it's going to be worth more. I highly doubt that. These people are companies. That's the whole point. The moment you monetize the whole idea, in a sense where, like let's pointing out in the past, it was meant to be a public service, right? Or let's even compare what we do right here. It's donation based. You guys donate if you believe we're doing the right thing. My shows are not independently based on how much revenue I can make from individual shows. Theirs are directly advertised, pushed. That's why you see Pfizer and different groups promoting their platforms. And that's why they're bound to what they have to do. But that's the idea. They are going to look at ratings because they're locked into that model. You can't, I mean, if they change it, it's going to collapse. That's my opinion anyway. We'll see what happens. Zaslav, who took the helm of Discovery and Warner Media after it merged with Warner Brothers, Discovery in April, hired Chris Litcht as head of CNN, following the ouster of Jeff Zucker earlier this year. His mandate for Litcht, a former executive producer for CBS's The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, oh, great, he's totally going to be nonpartisan, right, guys? Was to get rid of the sensational partisan Trump-focused coverage made popular under Zucker. So the guy led, who produced one of the most partisan shows in history is going to step in and totally not be partisan. Totally makes sense. Under which CNN has dialed back using the breaking news banner. <laughs> Don't you love that? On his reports in order to shift away from opinion-based programming, which they're again admitting that they're using breaking news on everything that they want you to think is important. Trump stepped downstairs in a funny way, breaking news. That, this is not news, guys. This is garbage. Whether he tries to fix it or not, this is this these people this should be they shouldn't exist anymore. Not not the idea of it, but this entity should have been long gone. But it's because they're being subsidized by government entities, and I've been making that clear for a long time. But it says one well placed source told the Post that the ratings have taken a hit due to due in part to removing such sensational and delicious details that have become commonplace in cable news. So the moment they try to act like they're better than they were, their audience they've developed with those lowbrow discussions were like, screw this, you guys suck. That's what happens. Sort of like the point I make with even independent media, partisan discussion, right? You build an audience that's based on very specific manipulations, and then suddenly you want to talk about something that's outside what they want, and they eat you alive. 
See, that's the difference here with you. My, my audience is you guys, we disagree on lots of stuff, right? I talk about things. I know plenty of you don't agree with, but we've cultivated an objective conversation focused community. So I talk about things all the time and, so, and occasionally get the person that's like, what are you doing? And flips out. But most people will understand that we just end up having a different opinion. I talk about what I think is important. It's not guided by what I think you guys want to hear. That's what CNN does. What Fox does. That's what a lot of the independent media does that wants to be corporate media. And then the moment they try to say, wait a minute, maybe the vaccine does hurt you. They get screwed by their audience. Now it says the problem is we are not a neutral country. Well, of course not. I mean, again, the idea that we have multiple, you'll never have that idea. The idea that you're going to have some cohesive single mind is in fact what they're trying to build with the Great Reset. The ratings are getting worse because they are taking out all the bells and whistles, right? All the propaganda and the flashy manipulations and their dumbed down lowbrow audience is like, this is news now. I don't like it anymore. I want reality TV. CNN's ratings are as bad as local news ratings. Exactly. Why they shouldn't be there anymore. New management is not freaking out, but everyone else at CNN is. They want to fix shows first, but they don't realize the show and ratings are connected. <laughs> right. The audience doesn't want news. They want reality TV. That's what you've cultivated. Now you have to eat that. CNN's reliable sources hosted by Brian Stelter notched its lowest rating rated month since June 2001, bringing in 79,000 demo viewers and 585,000 average total viewers. Guys, we get more views than that. <laughs> that is crazy. And you get a, a million dollar salary. These people are ridiculous. These are, I mean, I don't even know how this makes sense. If they're being paid that much, all of them, how is this company even still functioning? I argue because of subsidy, because of high level advertisers like Pfizer, government manipulation. That's crazy. That's just, I mean, that's pathetic. Last point, but the left-leaning network's rating slide began well before the new management took over. Again, trying to act like it's the changes causing it all. No, CNN was losing people even when they were lowbrow tabloid news. Earlier this year, after uh, after former Trump uh, President Trump left office, CNN's ratings took a 90% nosedive. 90%? Guys, a business wouldn't survive that. If you lost 90% of your ratings, that would collapse. You wouldn't be able to continue. But something else stepped in, I'm sure, both overall and in the demographic coveted by advertisers in the first week of January. That is crazy. But the point is, all they've been doing, like under the assumption he's going to change that now, is spreading not journalism, whatever you want to fill that in with. He admitted that. <clears throat> but they're okay. They're not focused on by Jankowitz, are they? Now, what we're seeing in the UK is interesting to add to the same point. I believe this is a lot more to do with being worried about what's coming down the pike. Embattled UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson resigns. Oh, really? Wasn't that interesting? You guys have heard me make this point a thousand times. How nice it must be to break laws, ruin lives, destroy the economy, you know, go out and have parties while everyone's being forced to mask up and take injections or they get arrested. But you're out there partying with all your friends multiple times and getting caught multiple times. And then just resign in disgrace as if that resolves it. You know, as if that amounts to anything even remotely resembling accountability for those criminal actions. These people should be in prison. Referencing George Carlin, hashtag, it's a big club and you ain't in it. Think about that as the joke I made before. If I, if I go out and commit murder, can I just quit my job tomorrow and be like, oh, I quit my job. Are we good? Like, I don't I need to get held accountable, do I? I, I left my job. <laughs> no, that only applies to the elite, the elitists. Now, if he does get held accountable, I will come back and say, I, I was wrong. Thank God. But it never happens, guys. They resign, they walk away, and they become George Bush painting paintings and being called a friendly old man 
No, he's a terrible, disgusting war criminal that murdered lots of people, but here he is. We're praising his paintings. This is upsetting that this seems to be what's happening. British health minister, Javid, J- J- uh, J- uh, so what is it, Sajid Javid, resigns. The, the health minister, the guy that has been pushing all the th- everything we've talked about. Crazy. But guess what? Guess what they're all claiming? Oh, it's because Boris is bad. Bad news. He didn't do the right thing. So we're all running. Is that what normally happens? So if he resigns, why would you run as well? Why would that have anything to do with Boris Johnson? I mean, it might. I don't know their minds. But this feels like trying to avoid accountability for what right now I think literally everybody can see, even the people that are trying to pretend it's not there. And they push this. All of them did. British Health Secretary Sajid Javid resigned on Tuesday, plunging Prime Minister Boris Johnson's government into chaos. Okay, maybe oh, let me check. Let me check the date. I thought it was after. Let's see. Oh, okay. So let, let's just look at. I guess I. I guess it looks like he left first, then Boris came after the rest of them. In any case, the point is the same. These people, in my mind, are trying to get away from something. Are you, are you going to pretend like you didn't know Boris Johnson was taking these actions up until you got called out for it? You see, this is about acting like there's something, uh, your moral crisis. Javid said he had not lost confidence in Johnson's ability to govern the national interest. So you leave him there in charge? That That's what you do? How about you stay there and try to fix it? Right? You run because he's going to, like, you're going to let him continue to destroy the country? I mean, this just doesn't add up to me. A series of scandals saying it could no longer continue in good conscience. And those scandals were things that involved all of them for the most part, but specifically the ones I'm talking about or he's referencing are the party gate discussions where they were partying at times when they weren't supposed to. As pretty much everybody's been caught. Trudeau like three times. Everybody. I mean, all of these people have been caught. He said that many lawmakers in the public had lost confidence in Johnson's ability to govern the national interest. Well, guess what? It's not just those two, guys. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson resigns after more than 50 members of parliament quit government. What? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but is that, is that, that seems unprecedented. Unprecedented. 50 members. People are scared, in my opinion. They know what's coming. And people are running for the hills. That's my, completely my opinion, but that's what impression this gives me. By the way, check this out. I don't think I highlight over. Let me get, read these first. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson resigned on Thursday after more than 50 members of parliament within 48 hours resigned. The country deserves a government that's not only stable, but which acts with integrity. (laughs) Yeah, because that's not going to happen. Johnson has been embroiled in a string of scandals and allegations of misleading the public. Yeah, just Johnson, right? Nobody else. Just him by himself alone. But the final straw for many MPs involves conservative lawmaker Chris Pincher. The former deputy chief whip was suspected last week amid accusations, suspended, amid accusations that he drunkenly groped two men in a private members club. Yeah, because, you know, as often as we see these weird little sexual proclivities, both with children and other people, we act like it's a bad apple one time over and over and over and over and over. Johnson on Tuesday apologized for appointing Pincher Deputy Chief Whip. Right, because he knew it was happening. He did it anyway. And then you just go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I made a conscious choice to do that, even though I knew he was a bad guy. And does that make it okay now? Can I quit and walk away? What do you mean you're sorry? Are you sorry because you got caught? Or are you sorry because you didn't? I mean, you see my point? This is ridiculous. That's what they do. I'm so sorry. I made the wrong choice. I slipped my mind and I'm going to resign in disgrace. No, you should resign into prison. That's what you should, what you should do. Despite knowing of an investigation into his behavior, right? He knew this person was under investigation for sexual manipula- sexual groping and did it anyway. Crazy. Oh, but here's, look, check this out. I, I didn't know this. I just now saw this. Elon Musk notifies... Twitter, 
He is terminating the deal. Hey, that worked out for everybody, didn't it? Elon Musk saved the day. Hooray. Partisanship is ridiculous, guys. Elon Musk is not buying Twitter. So how do we explain all this stuff? How do we explain everything? Come on, James Wood. Where, how, didn't he save the world right the first day this happened? I shouldn't attack you. I like James Wood's account, but he makes me laugh. But that first tweet, guys, come on, it's ridiculous. All of a sudden, everything's working differently. Day one. Partisanship, guys. Melts the brain. But we'll see what happens. I, by the way, I just this is the first I've seen it. Doesn't even seem like it's information. Elon Musk notifies Twitter he's terminating the deal. Interesting. Going forward, in the same vein, just to include this because we're talking about people resigning and different things, I found this to be interesting. Japan ex leader Shinzo Abe or Abe uh, apparently shot. Now this has been a, this is ongoing. There's a lot of weird stuff about this whole situation that I find suspicious and weird. But I'm going to wait for this to flesh out. Because I just, there's right now it seems like where there's a real quick energy to just jump into every shooting and be like, that looks fake, that's wrong. And that's not the right way to do that, right? We need to be careful and make sure we're actually taking the time to investigate, like always investigate. I do it every, even the shooting, the parade, I look through it all. I, I look through everything, guys. I shouldn't say that, but I try to. The point though is that we, unless we have proof and evidence of suspicion, which, by the way, I would argue this whole thing seems to already suggest there's some weirdness around the shooting, the gun itself, the way the whole thing went down. But I'm going to wait to look into this until I have more information, because that's what we should do. Or wait to talk about it, I should say. But what's interesting, though, is that apparently he was shot, they claim, but he dies of heart failure, which totally could happen. Go into shock because of your body, you know, and you could die of heart. That can happen. It's a very weird thing to happen right now, though, right? Some kind of a shot in the background and he, died, he collapsed on the stage. And I don't know, very strange in general. But overall, the point is, what is going on right now? There's leaders being shot, people resigning. Something is amiss. I think we need to acknowledge that. And even in Biden's administration, guess who just stepped down? Kate Benningfield, the communications director. White House officials tell the Wall Street Journal. What is going on? Now, this happens here and there. But to see this string, I, I genuinely think people of their own accord are stumbling on the information and going, okay, damn it. Like, this is a big deal. These are, are these people have been right. Maybe they didn't realize, maybe they were caught up in the lies and they finally realized this is dangerous. And I, I need to go out and lie. I need to go out and tell children they should get this. I can't do that. Now I'm not trying to give them morals when they may not have it. I'm saying, I think some of that is happening somewhere. They're running from something. In my opinion, guys, I think it's very strange. Now on the real most important fake news discussion point, check this out. This is, I mean, fake news is not the right, I would say double standard, misinformation. The idea that they're literally pointing at Roe versus Wade and, and signing this executive order, which in my opinion doesn't do anything except sort of outline their ineptitude in regard to what they, like, there's a lot of Democrats that are saying, do something, Biden. They took away things. They didn't take things away, the Supreme Court, I should argue. You know, the states that made laws that restricted these things, yeah, you can argue that they, if you believe it's something that they have a right to, and I do agree with that, I don't think it's a constitutional right but I believe they have a right to make their own choices. That's my opinion, despite my personal beliefs. But the Supreme Court did not take anything away from anybody. They gave the rights back to the states to make their own opinions, which, by the way, is in line with the Constitution, despite what you may think, even if it was guided by partisan drive. But this whole thing is only really outlining how they aren't going to do much except continue to do what they're able to do. So it's a, I think this is to appease people to act and, and word it in a way that makes it seem like they're circumventing it. And maybe it will. Maybe this will be used and bent to make it some kind of loophole around what the state's new laws. But what's interesting on top of this is they talk about this in a way that exposes a blatant and insulting double standard in regard to your personal privacy around medical history, vaccination, 
except when it comes to abortion, well, we need to defend their privacy and whether or not, okay, so only that, my body, my choice only applies one way, privacy only applies one way. This is the most obvious. These are the same conversation in regard to medical privacy in regard to choice, and they just pretend it's not. It's really embarrassing. This decision expressly took away a right from the American people that it had recognized for nearly 50 years. That is fake news. So we're talking about disinformation, right? Where's Jankowitz, right? Where are all people screaming fake news? So who, so what they're saying is the Supreme Court issued a decision. Now that decision, as we've made very clear, despite all the partisans screaming on Twitter when they don't understand what they're talking about, all it did was give the right to the states to make their own decision in this regard. That's it. End of story. Everything else is the states and the governors making their own decisions. And you can, you can attack that. You can discuss it. You can say they're wrong, but you cannot blatantly lie, or apparently you can, <laughs> and say this decision expressly, not took away, but expressly took away a right, because that is blatantly not true. You could, if, I mean, if you wanted to make it true, you could say this decision led to people's rights being taken away. But you can't say the decision itself expressly. Like they add that word on purpose because they want you to think the Supreme Court removed women's rights. But they're allowed to say it, even if, even though it's fake news. How about the fact that Biden recently said the recent injection was approved, even though it was emergency authorized? Nobody said anything. I said something. That's fake news. It's not accurate. You don't get to be like, well, he's he's Biden and he's just he's he's senile. We'll we'll insinuate that and we want to undermine the fact that he said something that's blatantly wrong. That's just crazy and fake. A woman's right to make her own reproductive health care decisions, free from government interference. Except when you have to get a vaccination. Oh yeah, of course. Of course, right? What about and also, you know, what's funny by the way? You can't make you can't miss these points, right? Now we know what a woman is, right? Now we can say woman. Weird how that suddenly shifted on a dime. I don't even know how to say woman or what the definition is when I'm being inter interrogated in Congress. But now everybody seems to know woman and not woman, of course, when it comes to this topic. This has just exposed the hypocrisy more than ever. So a woman's right to make her own reproductive health care decisions doesn't apply to the vaccine. But how about the fact that the vaccine itself has already been shown with multiple peer-reviewed studies to affect reproductivity? Fertilization. We'll, we'll point out another study that says that today. Anyway, you get the point. It's ridiculously a double standard. It says, this ruling will disproportionately affect women of color, low-income women, and rural women. Anybody want to explain that? How exactly does the Supreme Court making a ruling in line with the Constitution that states should decide this have any effect on women of color? You could argue, again, that the state's rulings may do that in certain areas, which I don't even know why that would make sense. Why is it, are you suggesting only women of color have abortions? I mean, that might be what they're actually suggesting. Statistically, you, I don't even know if that's correct, but that seems like a little bit of a racist comment, doesn't it? Maybe they, they, they would argue that if it was in reverse. My, but on top of that, again, they did not do anything that affects anybody other than giving states the right to make this choice. The, I think they're throwing that in to get the, 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 the virtue signaling points, to make it about race, to make everybody get upset. President Biden has made clear that the only way to secure a woman's right to choose is for Congress to restore the protections of Roe as federal law. Even though it wasn't federal law, it was a precedent set by Supreme Court. Again, conflating these ideas. But the idea here, again, now, now it's even more obvious. A woman's right to choose. Except when, you, when we're you know, talking about COVID vaccines. Of course. Why wouldn't that be the same thing? 
You obviously you know that it is. Until then, he has committed to doing everything in his power to defend reproductive rights and protect access to safe and legal abortion. Now, everything in his power, which you'll quickly find, is nothing really. The same things we've already talked about. The same thing ensuring that that militaries have the right to do these these specific things they've already have from a federal level have a right to do incest, rape, and so on. To make sure they have the right to medications instead. These things have always already been there. So this is them placating people that want action from them and making it look like we took action when really it's just them reiterating their ineptitude in this regard. But again, I, I'm not gonna argue, I, I would argue this is still going to be applied in ways people want to try to use it to circumvent certain things. But it says, today, President Biden will sign an executive order protecting access to healthcare services, reproductive healthcare services. This executive order builds on the actions his administration has already taken to defend reproductive rights by safeguarding access to reproductive healthcare services, including abortion and contraception. Safeguarding how? Well, we'll get to that. It's not the way it sounds right there. We'll just go through one by one. one, by one. Safeguarding access to reproductive healthcare services. Well, what does that mean? Access to medication that the FDA approved and safe and effective over 20 years ago. Okay, so the the idea that people have the right to medication they can order, they can go to, a, you know, really, if, they, if, if states somehow make this illegal, drive to another state if they want to, which I don't think is right. I think they should have a choice to do this. I've made that clear. But how is that doing anything? That's already there. From a federal level, it's always been there. Access to contraception. So women up until now haven't had access to, how is that even a step in the direction of doing anything? You already have their contraception. It's not something people are taking away. Outreach and public education efforts. So now we're educating people about this. How does that, you see, this is an illusion of action in regard to doing something. Lawyers and volunteer lawyers. This is interesting to me though. The attorney general and the White House counsel will convene private pro bono attorneys, bar associations, and public interest organizations to encourage robust legal representation of patients, providers, and third party lawful, lawfully seeking or offering reproductive healthcare services throughout the country. Now that's interesting. Are you arguing you're going to pay for lawyers for people that break the law? That we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. And if they did, that's your money from a federal sense. Your money in this country, your tax dollars going to help people fight their defend their criminal action. Now I'm not saying again that I think it should be criminal action, make that clear, but the states are pacing, passing these laws. That should that's the same point. What do they always tell you when you when you on one side of this, oh, go vote, go vote it out. You know, go through the right channels, right? <laughs> yeah. In a fantasy world, protecting the right to travel out of state to seek medical care. Now, I made that point early on. I don't know why anybody would have a problem with somebody traveling of their own accord out of state, especially since the government seems to want to pay with your money to help them do so, to go get an abortion somewhere else that's legal. I find that to be interesting that anybody would have an issue with that. But that comes down to the fact that they, from in this case, from a religious standpoint, in their mind, believe it's not right. Therefore, they're projecting that onto everybody making sure you can't do that because they don't want you to. And that is the point. It's way, way that should be your choice. That goes way out of that. But both sides are doing that from every every point, it would seem. Now it says protecting patient privacy and access to accurate information. Now this is where it gets really ridiculous to me. Addressing the transfer and sales of sensitive health-related data, combating digital surveillance-related and reproductive healthcare services, now, outside of the reproductive health care, addressing the transfer and sales of sensitive health information, you mean like everybody's been caught doing with COVID-19? 
course, it doesn't matter in that regard because that's a totally different thing. This is a selective focused point for Roe versus Wade. This is double standard hypocrisy. HHS will consider additional actions for protecting your information, including under the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. You remember what that's called? Oh, that's right. It's called HIPAA. Remember HIPAA? The, the very thing we tried to discuss in regard to vaccines, your personal information that they shouted you down for, but now it matters. And why is that? For the exact same reason, to better protect sensitive information related to reproductive health care. Well, this case is not reproductive or in the vaccine case, but it's the same point. It's about protecting your personal health information. But apparently it only matters in information or talking points that they think are important. We've decided the vaccine's safe, so shut up. You don't get those rights over there. But we think this one's important, so you can have it there. What does it show you? That you don't have anything, and they decide when you get stuff. Steps to ensure patient privacy and non-discrimination of patients. Oh, you mean like telling people you're unvaccinated and forcing you to not be able to, you know, quit, forcing you to quit your job, saying you can't go on a bus, saying you can't go in a restaurant? Yeah, but only when it comes to abortion, we'll make sure you don't get discriminated against. This is just ridiculous. Issuing new guidance to address how HIPAA privacy rule protects the privacy of individuals' protected health information. They don't even say reproductive. That's just, so you don't get protection unless you're getting an abortion? Your protected health information applies broadly. So they're ridiculous hypocrites. The guidance helps ensure doctors and other medical providers and health plans know that with limited expectations, they are not required and in many cases are not permitted to disclose patients' private information, including to law enforcement. Unless we're talking about vaccination, uh, because that's the point. That It just makes me sick to see how stupid this all is. Announced nearly $3 million in new funding, which is your money going to fund things because of this. Now, finally, the military point. The Department of Defense, <clears throat> excuse me, the Department of Defense issued a memo to the force, DOD civilians, and military families on ensuring access to essential women's healthcare services. The memo reiterates that the department will continue to provide seamless access to reproductive healthcare for military and civilian patients as permitted by federal law. Now that last part simply makes it sound like then they can't do it then. Because I don't see how they're legally allowed to give civilian patients anything unless they're people that are with the families, which is the point they make next. That's all that applies. So military personnel and their families which has always already been the case. Nothing is changing here. And then, it, and, and why is it within federal law? That's the next point. Military providers will continue to fulfill their duty to care for service members, military dependents, and civilian personnel, which will be people that are in a military capacity but not in the military, who require pregnancy termination in the cases specifically and only of rape, incest, or to protect their life. So that, that's, that's federal law on federal land, like the military bases. So why is this included as some new action? So we're reiterating to continue to do what we've always done. You get my point? So the real point was to show you the double standard, the hypocrisy, but acting like they're doing anything. Now, this leads us into more disinformation conversation about a few different points. Now, while we're talking about the vaccine and the dangers that they're just ignoring, listen to these two people, Klaus Schwab and the CEO advisor, Borla talking about things, that referencing everything we're doing on this show or anywhere else and laughing about how dumb we all are while they point to things just like the fact checkers do. And that is in completely intentional. Things saying, like, I'll let you watch it for yourself. But referencing things that are like, oh, this Facebook post said, 
not like Dr. McCullough approved or the t- last American Vagabond peer-reviewed science made clear. No, no, no. Just that Twitter push with three shares. Oh, it's all fake news. Check this out. I mean, this is, I mean, laughable. It is actually laughable. I, I knew it. Hold on one second. I, I still don't understand why these quick time videos, one, some will play, some won't. Actually, let me see if I can upload it on this. That might be easier. Nope, guess not. I'll do the screen share version. Give me one second, guys, as I find this. This video is pretty ridiculous. I think it is, uh, let's see. Oh, I know what I have to do. Here we go. Okay, one second. I have to actually do the screen share capture of that window, which is a little more difficult, but we'll get it done. All right, here we go. With a vaccine, that we knew that there's a very fanatic group of anti-vaxxers that will go after us no matter what. They will claim that the sun didn't go up because people were vaccinated and that created issues with the crop. So I'm suing you. And one thing it is to sue you in the U.S., another thing is to sue you in a country where the legal system is not up to that standard. Sorry, sweet. Okay, right. So you're now calling into question the entire legal system of any country suing you outside the United States. Right. You know, because they're all third world countries and we can't, they're, they're all, they don't know how to do things because they're all stupid. I mean, really? That's crazy because that's mostly where this is happening. We'll get to that in a minute. Like India and Uruguay, right? They, they, that doesn't that seem insulting, racist even? My God. But the point of it is that what he's talking about there is that anybody with the sun doesn't come up, it's because of the vaccine. Like, how about you make some specific points about this and acknowledge there's plenty of people that aren't just broadly claiming this is all vaccine, but in fact, having logical, objective discussions about whether or not it could be. And then showing peer-reviewed science to say, well, here, this seems to suggest that it's very possible, but you come to your own conclusions. Oh, no, conspiracy theory. This is how they couch these arguments as an entire thing in fake news, like the fact checks that take something we talk about and peer-reviewed science don't talk about any of that and find one comment and one thing on a post that makes it subjective, makes it partisan, and then says, because this isn't that, debunked. They don't even address the science. This is very insulting. Up to that standard, or in Switzerland, right? So I think that's behind us. Uh, Everything (laughs) went okay, and now I think we can move on. Oh, everything went okay, apparently. So 20,000 deaths and 2 million reports of adverse events, ongoing, long-lasting problems, myocarditis, heart attack, blood clots, vaccine-induced thrombosis, thrombocytopenia, immune systems deteriorating, peer-reviewed science showing this is happening. You know, totally no big deal. We're all past it, right? Thanks, CEO. I think we were, we were both uh, targets of the anti-vaccine uh, movements and And of course, by anti-vaccine movements, he means anybody that points out that they might have lied, anybody that points out that they might have misled people, you know, including people that are wildly pro-vaccine outside of this one. But of course, you're, you know, just complete fake news, anti-science conspiracy theorist, anti-vaccine maniac, if you simply question them, because they're unquestionable, right? Think about people like RFK Jr., who is very outspokenly not anti-vaccine. He just points out things that you have a right to know, and they call him anti-vaccine. That is literally dis and misinformation. That's a game they're playing to undermine his credibility and plenty of others. Here we go. Same thing. These are the people that are in fact spreading the misinformation and we're being censored for calling it out as disinformation. Think that's literally Orwellian. 
conspiracy uh, people uh, claiming that I had triple, I wonder what it is, tri triple um, uh, COVID. Um, mm. <laughs> Have you ever heard that before? Has anybody ever even heard of something called triple COVID? I've never even heard that claim. And, and I mean, he's probably talking, I mean, let me, let's just do this real quick. I will I'll change the page. One thing I want to check. Let's see. I'm looking it up real quick. Let's see, triple COVID. That's actually funny. Check this out. I will show you this real quick. Oh, well, here, let me finish this and I'll show you when we're done. So I have to redo the screen share. So I don't find anything that talks about a triple COVID except corporate media. I'm not making that up. I'll show you when we're done. But let's finish this. Something I was uh, claiming that I had triple, I wonder what it is, tri triple um, uh, COVID. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, something I was, uh, I think you got uh, hundreds of thousands of clicks and so on. Uh, I know you were also target. Um, I read one day but was arrested by FBI. Yeah, same happened to Right, me. and this is my exact point. My, and remember, remember when that happened, guys? When they came, when the QAnon and, and conservative-leaning crowd all were shared and wildly went viral that he was arrested by the FBI, and that was at a time when there was some very serious Pfizer information that was being covered up by that? That's not by accident. And then he gets to stand up there and say, oh, you know, they said I was arrested. You know, the same people that once said the Pope was arrested or said that, you know, that Clintons and everybody else were in Guantanamo, that they would have military tribunals. And I'm not, I'm not even just talking about the QAnon crowd. This happens on partisan discussions, both left and right, where they spread ridiculous claims. And whether that's by design, some kind of counterintelligence or just people lying for their truth, it gets used just like this. And people like us that have an effort constantly to stay objective get framed as that. It's pretty simple. There are pictures, pictures of me and the FBI officers. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah. I never said. The surprising thing it is that the same publication I found out because I had published the previous one that was arrested was the poll by <laughs> FBI. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. So we are a good company. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least I was in good company. Yeah. But. I mean, my God, I mean, I mean, how, how, how insulting to your intelligence, right? I mean, the whole point here is that they're undermining genuine conversation as if that encompasses every single one of you in the chat, every single one of us in independent media for having objective criticism of what they're doing, calling out the lies that have been exposed. How about the fact that the, I made this point the other day, remember when they told you that, they, you know, take your shots, go back to normal, right? And then we're finding out they're now telling you, oh, will they wane though? Now you have to get more. Well, there you go, guys. That's it. That's not because of unvaccinated. That's because they failed because it didn't work. And then you can point out that it's in fact not working in much more dangerous ways where they are clearly ignoring all of the side effects and all the things that are happening. It's, it's an alarming conversation that they're actively trying to cover up. It, it should be alarming to us. Now, I wanted to uh, play this quick clip here in regard to uh, Pilevsky we played before in regard to the things that he talked about before around nanoparticles and so on. And I think it's really interesting that it stands out in the contrast to what they're pretending today. I heard earlier that there's no real concern about aluminum because it's such a small amount, and so it really shouldn't matter. But the kind of aluminum that we put into vaccines is a different kind of aluminum that we see environmentally. This is called a nanoparticle, and nanoparticles bind really tightly 
to the bacteria antigens, the virus antigens, the food protein antigens, and any other contaminants that are in the vaccines that we may not know about. And we know that the biochemical properties of nanoparticles is that they are capable of entering the brain. And so we have not evaluated the safety of the aluminum nanoparticle and its injection and where it goes when it gets into the body and whether it gets into the brain. Do vaccine ingredients belong in the brain? No. Do they get into the brain? No one has ever studied it. But animal studies using the same chemicals that are in vaccines that we give to children directly demonstrate that the vaccine ingredients do enter the brain. We are ignoring this information. There are scientists in Europe who've actually done studies on the aluminum nanoparticle and have shown that it can persist in the brain for years and decades. And so what we're seeing is a large outbreak of neurodevelopmental disabilities in adults, including Alzheimer's. And one of the main factors that they're finding in the brains of people with Alzheimer's is the aluminum nanoparticle that's directly related to the vaccines that we're giving. So we have never studied whether the aluminum that we're giving in vaccines gets into the brain, and we've never measured whether it stays in the brain and what it does if it does stay in the brain. But we do know that vaccines are supposed to cause inflammation in the body. But we have more than half of our children with chronic inflamed conditions. And we've never allowed ourselves to ask the question, if the vaccines cause inflammation acutely, do they continue to create inflammation chronically? We have one in five with neurodevelopmental disabilities, one in 10 with ADD and ADHD, one in 35 with autism, one in 11 with asthma, and one in 20 under the age of five with seizures. It's just incredible. Now, lipid nanoparticles are the obvious point to make. Now, these are things that were called out in 2020. This is just one small part, and these things have come to pass. We are now in a position where we know that these things were not acknowledged. They weren't addressed, regardless of who brought them up. Experts, people on independent media, doesn't matter. And this is the alarming part. We've watched this continue. We've watched them. That's right. Oh, that's right. I want to show you this. We've watched them continue to hide from this. And there they sit on the stage laughing it off because somebody said he was arrested. That's on, that is it. I mean, in my opinion, they must be aware of what's going on. How could they not? That's my opinion. So it feels like this is an effort to downplay their culpability. But check this out. I look at the triple, triple COVID. Well, wait a minute. The only things I see talking about triple COVID are CBN, NBC, NBC, <laughs> apparently NBC, who classifies triple mutant COVID variant. So wait a minute, who is fake news exactly? Right? I mean, it's either that or it's some Facebook post that got so many hundred thousand shares, he said, or whatever, but it's not some corporate media discussion. It's not independent media discussion. That's what they do. And that's how they couch this entire argument. I mean, this is insulting. It should be insulting to your intelligence. Now, this leads into the fact that this is where we're the COVID-19 conversation is driving. BA5, now dominant U.S. variant, may pose the biggest threat to immune protection yet. Now, every one of them is pushing the idea that now circumvents your immunity, which you're not even getting from these injections, as well as your natural immunity, but which, the, you know, I thought moments ago was fake news. You know, you don't, there's no such thing as natural immunity, but now this thing stops your natural immunity. Isn't that funny? It doesn't exist right up until this thing stops it. But what's interesting is that's not true. 
as I've shown you many times. Peer-reviewed studies have found repeatedly that what if you have gotten what, whatever they're claiming this is from the beginning without any injections in your body, you produce antibodies that continue to fight variants of concern, including Omicron. I've shown you this myself. I don't even pull it up again. The bottom line is that's what they're trying to do to counteract all of this. But what we've already shown you on a previous show is that BA4 and BA5 are specifically attacking the boosted, which again goes right back to the idea of the UK information that's showing you that the excess deaths are on the rise, not because of COVID. And if you actually dig into the data, you'll find out that the people that are actually being hurt are by and large the people with injections in their body. I mean, it's not hard to see. So here's an interesting point my brother shared with me, and this is a clip that he got from, um, from the news where they're hyping up the fear about BA5. Now, how many deaths are we causing here? Well, they'll tell you if, they, if you really push into it or look back at the other discussions that it's basically not a problem, right? That the, it's, it's only about transmission. And that's the point we'll make about monkeypox as well. Well, okay, so if it's not actually killing, if it's, it's, it's less dangerous than the flu, by all accounts, then why are we concerned? Well, long COVID. Okay, well, that seems by peer-reviewed science to be at least possibly psychosomatic, or the fact that information has shown that that's not happening to people, that, <laughs> that it's happening, it's vaccine side effects. Here, But here's the point. He steps up and says, keep testing for this. We need to start testing more, which we know builds up the illusion of the PCR test fake pandemic discussion. But on top of that, he says something very interesting. We'll see if this, this one plays. This is also a quick time. That, you know, if you if you cast and you get a negative, well, just keep testing until you get a positive, just to be sure. Come on and work for me. Of course not. Son of a gun. All right. Do the same thing. Now, this is just ridiculous because, you know, if you keep testing with a test that has a high false positive rate, you're eventually going to get a false positive. Oh, I did the same thing. Hold on. Share. Screen share. There we go. I don't know why this doesn't work. That does very much frustrate me. <laughs> As I'm sure you guys can tell. The times when I do have it all lined up just right is when that happens, of course. All right. Screen share. There we go. The Omicron subvariants BA.4 and BA.5 have managed to evade the immunity we get from vaccination or previous infection. We used to be able to think that if you had COVID, it was one and done and you were fine. We know that's not the case now. And if you plan on attending a large gathering, take a rapid test before meeting up. Keep in mind, if you test negative but feel symptoms, isolate. It may take a few tests before the results come back positive. <laughs> it, may, it may take a few tests. Just keep testing then, right? Just keep testing until you get what you want, which is the positive. Like, is that it? That's the way that sounds. Why in the world would you keep testing until you get a positive? Like, you wouldn't do that with anything else. I mean, it's just, it's, this is ridiculous. I just can't even get past how blatantly dumb this has all gotten. And I mean, every part of it, every single damn part of it. We're also going to make a point about masks again today. Shocking, I know, as it continues to come back into play. And here it is. JCVI chief calls for mandatory masks in hospitals amid COVID surge. We're right back there again. Look at that. Banging my head against this old brick wall once again, right? This is the ridiculous part. Now I'm going to play one thing really quickly to show you this. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. Masks are protective. 
And we, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Mark, there has you know? not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community... You want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 The pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric, actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks. Uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. I mean, this just goes on and on. It's utterly ridiculous how back and forth and back and forth. Now we've actually got people in the hospitals calling for forced masks, mandatory masks in these hospitals. This is literally despite the science. Now I could go off for a hundred different peer review studies from before, during, and after all of this, and it says the same damn thing, not statistically significant against reducing transmission. But on top of that, we now have new studies that find that these things, as I keep telling you, make it a hell of a lot worse. New study, face mask usage correlates with higher death rates. A massive 35 country, 602 million people peer-reviewed study. Make sure you hear that. Not Not observational, not hot flash in a pan, two-month study of, um, of something in CDC headquarters. 35 countries, 602 million people peer-reviewed study finds face mask usage face mask usage correlates with higher death rates. That's a correlation, though. That's why we add this one, too. Another peer-reviewed study, the Fogan effect, which very clearly finds, and we've shown you many times. Oh, I think I think it was down. Oh, I think I'll just do this one so it's quick. The cause, it says basically that I should have highlighted it. The findings suggest that mask use might pose yet unknown threat. Where was it? Oh, well, I'll go to the bottom. Usually in, in any of these studies, by the way, it's all, you, that's why I always tell people to make sure you read the whole thing. The, not only the findings in the real section as well as the final conclusion are always different than the abstract. Like they're more detailed. The study revealed that wearing face masks might impose a great risk on individuals, which would not be mitigated by a reduction in infection rate. The use of face masks, therefore, might be unfit, if not contraindication on an epidemiological intervention against COVID-19, proving or disproving the Fogan effect using experimental studies as described above should be the priority. This is finding that there's lots of correlations here, that they they find that this could be the reason of MISC. There's all sorts of things that the wearing better masks, in fact, increase this problem. That's what they talk about. uh, Let's see right here. Oh, in any case, I don't want to take all the time on masks because you guys know that I've blown this narrative apart. So have a lot of people. It's very easy to do if you just care to be objective. Oh, here it is right here. The use of better masks in this regard with a higher droplet filter- filtration capacity probably should cause an even stronger Fogan effect because the number of virons that are potentially re-inhaled increase the same way. The point is the masks are creating the problem. It's almost like they knew that it would cause that problem, just like every other factor in this discussion. Another salient point is that COVID-19-related long-term effects, you know, long COVID and MISC, may all be a direct cause of this effect. 
Yeah, but fake news though, because let's not let's care, let's ignore all the peer-reviewed science, but yet scream trust the science, right? That's where we are. Let's do it again because virtue signal, because that's what I believe, because I'm supposed to trust this, the CDC FDA non-science. It's alarming, guys. This is all swinging back into action. Now, here we have examples of other countries continuing to call this stuff out and then getting disregarded. A judge orders Pfizer to provide, quote, extensive detail on biochemical composition and evidence of efficacy and safety of the vaccines within 48 hours in Uruguay. Here's the actual uh, El Observador website that's point is covering this. It's blocked here, so I have it on the Wayback Machine. So let me do the translation so you can see it real quick. Oh, excuse me, I have to do it over here. I forgot. It doesn't translate on the way back for some reason. So it says, judge ordered the government and Pfizer to present all the information on vaccines against COVID-19 within 48 hours. And you'll find on the way back that there is one sentence I found very interesting that I translated for you, which is right here. It reads, it's also requesting information on the possible presence of graphene oxide or nanotechnology elements. That doesn't mean that they're there. I've played plenty of discussions about why this is a valid concern. What's interesting, though, is that it just gets disregarded. That's an entire country, or excuse me, at least a judge in a country from the government point, demanding that they give you some kind of access to this information. India did the same. Plenty of other people did the same thing. And yet, and on top of that, Uruguay suspends the COVID vaccination for children under 13. What are they seeing that your government doesn't care about, right? Well, Pfizer's withdrawn from India and now Uruguay because they wanted an independent study on the safety of their vaccine. That pretty much sums it all up, doesn't it? I agree, John. The fact that they find, they get, look, just tell us what's in it. And they go, screw you, I'm running away and you can't use our vaccine. That's so telling. Why can't we see that? Now, Lil points out, interesting case heard by New South Wales Supreme Court in which a university student of nursing was prevented from further study for asking questions about vac safety. When raising legitimate questions with staff, she was given the standard propaganda, it's safe. And staff had no time to debate her. And instead, they kicked her out of school. Supreme Court, New South Wales, May 16, 2022. Really quickly to show you the breakdown here. I was stating stating that we currently have insufficient data on the safety and efficacy of the vaccine, which, by the way, guys, is what their data still says. Like, this is the craziest part about this. I keep showing you this. This is the most recent update from Pfizer from 2022. Oh, I already forgot what this was. What was it again? 115? 120 something? Nope, 110. <laughs> I told myself I remember the number, but I, I look at this so often. Here we go. Just, just to get to cut to the chase. Right here. Long-term data. The long-term safety of COVID-19 mRNA vaccine is unknown at present. That is still the case right now. That's the, This is the Pfizer documentation from Europe. Okay? So when she says, we have insufficient data on the safety and effects, that's true. And by the way, specifically cites pregnant women, which by the way, that is also right there. Specifically, by the way, pregnant women and breastfeeding women. Use in pregnancy. The safety profile of the vaccine is not fully known in pregnant women. How can you be kicked out of school for stating the facts? The educator told me that the vaccine is safe and approved and that I'm spreading misinformation. Not because she said it's dangerous, because she, there's not enough safety data to prove that it is safe. That's the most accurate statement out there. I mean, it, this is alarming stuff. It says there are currently insufficient data to make conclusions about the safety of the vaccine in subpopulations like children, pregnant women. I would argue everybody. According to the above statement, in my opinion, it's not I who engage in spreading of misinformation, she says. 
Additionally, when I raised the concern of possible vaccine-induced myocarditis, which we know is the case, the educator dismissed the danger and severity and stating that it's only mild and will easily resolve. That's not even true, regardless of how mild it is. That's not, that's just simply blatant misinformation that was spread by corporate news. I highlighted that as nurses, we are taught and encouraged to think critically, vet literature, evaluate data and make informed decisions based on that, not blindly follow and lockstep what they tell you to say. This is a very concerning issue with someone in her position. They say about her, make such unverified claims, especially to students that do lack of their experience. Bottom line. I was contacted by our facilitator this morning. Your facilitator received information from the RN that you were again spousing, saying it wrong, anti-vaccination dialogue. It is clear to me that you have yet to understand your position as a future RN and have not taken on board the incident from the St. George Hospital. Based on this, I have decided to terminate your placement. Wow. For asking if it's safe, for suggesting that the data, which it literally says, says that it's not safe. You're gone. You can't question the gospel of vaccine today. Cannot. You are lo- You are gone. Guys, this is just so far over the top. I mean, this is why I think everybody sees it. People in authority lie to you. That's a blatant truth that we need to understand. My father told me when I was a child, people in authority lie. And we all, if we are going to continue to live in a democracy... We need to understand that people in authority lie. People in authority will abuse every power that we relinquish to them. And right now, we are giving them the power to micromanage every bit of our lives 24 hours a day. They're going to know where we are. They're going to know the money that we spend. They're going to have access to our children. They're going to have the right to compel unwanted medical interventions on us. We all know this is coming, guys. This is, we're watching this play out. Now, here's the point about jumping from that to it never ends, which I, this is why people are starting to push back, even that we're supposedly on their side, as we as we played right in the beginning, right? Quote, we will never be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. That's the, what the Canadian, the Canadian government is saying, the health minister of Canada, you will never be fully vaccinated. That is not, that's saying undeniably, that you will, for the rest of your life, need to get COVID injections. That is what they are saying, guys. Why that wouldn't wake up everybody instantaneously is beyond me. This is amazing. But uh, just a thought, great great account you should follow, made a great point here. She goes, let me get this straight. I'm 35 years old. If I was Canadian and chose or was coerced to get vaccinated, I'd have to continue getting vaccinated every nine months for the rest of my life to be fully vaxxed. Meaning, if I live to 80 years of age, I'd need 60 more vaccines? That's exactly right. I mean, I, it's, it's imp- now, I would argue it's even more than that because it's not every nine months. I argue that that statement he made about within the last nine months is simply transitioning everybody into a position where you get them every three months. Simply saying that if you've gotten one in the last nine months, we'll call you up to date. But then from there, it's every three months. They've already made that clear. So, but even with this statement taken at face value, 60 injections for the rest of your, I mean, my God, that's not what they promised, right? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Now, here's a quote, uh, an image or a, a video I want to play where the same woman is saying something that's contradictory to what she just said moments ago. Let me play the old one first. 
you guys have seen it. I've played it many times. When they're watching countries like Israel see their cases surge to spark high vaccination rates, how important are boosters to maintaining this no lockdown plan and how soon we need to get them so that we can maintain these freedoms we're being promised? We need to get used to being vaccinated with COVID vaccines for the future. Um, I can't see that COVID is not going to be with us forever. Um, maybe in the future we can have even better vaccines and coverage across the world to achieve that. I mean, as a public health doctor, we always want to have diseases go, um, get totally eliminated, but that's not on the horizon in the near future. So booster doses, repeat doses will be part of it. You know, there'll be different advice about different schedules, which doses you get. But at the moment, our priority has to be getting first and second doses into people. And there will be recommendations about booster doses in the future. And I can assure you that the Commonwealth Government has, produced, has purchased a large quantities of vaccine into 2022. And this will be a regular cycle of vaccination and revaccination. Oops, let that out of the bag a little too early, didn't you? Well, here's what she has to say now. I need to make it clear that previously um, we did tell you to get two doses and that that would provide protection against COVID. But the virus has changed. So now with Omicron, the evidence is clear that we need three or in some cases four doses to provide. So what change? How So now it's only four, huh? You literally just said that not too long ago that it's this cycle of vaccination and revaccination. By the way, also what Canada's saying. So what's going on here? They, like, I feel like they stepped back just to make sure you can get people into those first, get them through the door, and then trick them into taking them forever. Provide the best protection against getting very sick. And as the minister is... Best protection against getting very sick. <laughs> wow, that got boiled down, didn't it? You won't die. You won't get hospitalized. Well, then it just it reduces the chance of getting very sick. What does that even mean? That's pretty subjective, isn't it? Said What we know about the Omicron variants is that they're very good that the vaccines are still good at protecting us against getting very sick when we're infected. One of those little Freudian slips, you know, the, the Omicron variant's very good. <laughs> it's working perfectly for us. But they're not so good at protecting us getting infected in the first place. So that's the issue the minister was talking about in terms of their ability to reduce transmission or the spread of the virus. Interesting. Quite a bit of difference, right? But nonetheless, they're still going, yeah, we were wrong. You know, one, two, three, four, whatever, five. You know, we'll just follow us down the line. Who in the world thinks that makes sense? Here's another frustrating point I made a reference at the beginning. Here is the government, apparently, stepping in and, and using stars, not to say, here's why the science may, simply to say, do you trust me? Well, then take this injection. Like, I can't think of something more. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could. I shouldn't say that. But that is pretty damn creepy. I mean, again, that's not the science. That's not even, that is simply manipulation. Star manipulation. I'm Morgan Freeman. I'm not a doctor, but I trust science. And No, no, he trusts what they tell them the science is, which means he blindly trusts what the government, the CDC, and the FDA tell him the science is. He trusts the science, he would know well what he's saying is very dangerous, and at the very least, not proven. But, you know, he trusts what they tell him the science is, which is trusting the narrative. I'm told that for some reason people trust me. So here I am to say, I trust science and I got the vaccine. 
again, guys, any true scientist would laugh at that statement. You don't trust the science, you follow the If you trust me, you'll get the vaccine. In math, it's called the distributive property. In people, it's called taking care of one another. Get the vaccine. Help make our world a safe place for us to enjoy ourselves again, please. Whether whether or not he thinks he's doing the right thing, that's creepy, right? Do it, do it the right, do it for me, please. Like, think if you have to do that to get people to take what you're telling them is the right thing. I mean, that's crazy. It's just simply crazy. I, I'm just every day baffled with how we have gotten here. I said, this is disgusting, bottom of the barrel emotional manipulation with zero facts. That's seemingly how desperate they are to inject the uninjected, who, by the way, aren't suffering endless reinfections, illness, immune deficiencies, and heart attacks. You know, just as a small little point. Here's another one. This is Klaus Schwab. At this point today, in July 2022, telling you nobody will be safe until everybody's vaccinated. Again, proving to you that it was never about majority herd immunity. It's about making sure literally everybody gets there or we're all going to die. Yeah. But then why do we listen to this unelected technocrat? Because the people in charge, quote, quote unquote, do listen to him. That's important. Think about the power structure there. Waves of lockdowns and the stresses of finding work or returning to workplaces have even amplified the existential and often silent mental health crisis. So what should you do? Use the millennials and the generation set. What should you do differently? Most immediately, you are calling for the international community to safeguard vaccine equity to respond to COVID-19 and prevent future health crises. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. I don't even know how you can make such a statement today, right? I mean, it's just, it's, that's just not logical. What, so you mean the, what, what about the people that aren't supposed to? Remember in the beginning, when, I mean, no compromise, you know, you're not supposed to because it could hurt them. What about people that are just not told to get vaccines because of health problems? So does that mean, Klaus Schwab, that we're literally never, ever going to be safe because there are people that just simply can't ever get injections? By that stupid logic, yes. But that's not logic. This is propaganda. Now, here is a doctor who's telling you about scientific studies that show you that they're not that what these things are, are dangerous. But these are the people being called fake news. These are the people being called misinformers, despite pointing out peer-reviewed science and having highly credentialed backgrounds that are exactly in this field. Study out of Sweden shows COVID jab installing DNA into the human genome. You know, no big deal. A complete contradictory contradiction to what they said was possible or happening on top of the fact that that's very dangerous and genetically manipulative. But, you know, just take it because we're all going to die. A little bit about the study that just came out of Sweden that is just so alarming. The news is buzzing out of uh, Lund University, Malmo, Sweden. Marcus Alden is the first author. 
the first demonstration in a human hepatic or liver cell line that the Pfizer vaccine, in fact, reverse transcribes and installs DNA into the human genome. Wow. And so in simple terms, what does that mean, Dr. Bartlett? <laughs> Thank you for making it simple. So basically, uh, there's an enzyme that can take that messenger RNA uh, um, vaccine information and put it into the DNA of the person, into their DNA. Mm. And we were told that could not happen. So this is in a lab, but it's showing really? that the D it, you remember the vaccine is messenger RNA. Yeah. And we were told that that messenger RNA could not go into your DNA, but this is showing that in, in a lab it can. And so what it happens did. when yeah. it does, Dr. Gold? Well, can I, can I answer slightly different than yeah. your question? Yeah. So the, one of the fun things about the last... Simone Gold, by the way, somebody who's going to jail for telling the truth, couple years being a doctor and lawyer is this is a very interesting opportunity and I think we're going to be bringing another lawsuit <laughs> because there's actually federal law that you cannot discriminate against people for genetic discrimi genetic discrimination. I forgot the acronym. I think it's Gina, G-I-N-A. Gina. Gina. Gina, right? So this now opens the door to saying that if you're not allowing somebody in who chose not to get the shot, that you're actually engaging in genetic discrimination. So I think there's oh, wow. this Sweden mm -hmm. study, I think, opens the door to a new type of lawsuit. If you're pregnant and you have this done, can that then affect your baby. Yes, yeah, this is the alarming finding. The CDC says on its website very explicitly, this will not change your DNA. The paper that mm. came out of Sweden, now there'll so be many more to confirm that. it, it's just the first and thing. the steps are to A, confirm it, to confirm that the entire code is installed, and then to actually confirm that it's expressed, meaning that the spike protein now is continuously expressed from human cells. But because the lipid nanoparticles are taken up everywhere, that means somatic cells in your organs, but also your uh, gametocytes, actually the cells that actually are the sperm and the egg, if wow. they are carrying it, that indeed means that, in fact, it could be passed yes. to the daughter cells. And, so and, that could uh, be... Um... Now, just in that same vein, talking about the liver and so on, this is just a journal of hepatology, peer-reviewed study. SARS-CoV-2 vaccination can elicit a CD8 T-cell dominant hepatitis. Specifically in regard to the liver, Hepic, the, this is the kind of thing that they disregard. They are fake news because we point to peer-reviewed science. Now, here's another one. According, this is the vaccine caused my immune system to produce antibodies that activate platelets, which then clot. Doctors don't know if I'll ever stop producing them, so I may live in a blood clot risk the rest of my life. Losing some intestine was actually the easiest part for the doctors to treat. Look at that, guys. His stomach down his belly button cut open, intestines removed has to live with this the rest of his life. Here's the point, because he's talking about producing antibodies that he doesn't need. Remember this point? According to their statements, people are taking, the, the Pfizer and everybody else, people are taking jabs that create antibodies for something that is no longer there. Now, that's the truth, but I'm saying, they're not saying that explicitly, but what they're telling you, we're, that you're making antibodies for the Wuhan isolate, right? That's not what's what they're dealing with right now. They're making new ones to circumvent that. But the point is, people are still being forced to take this. And this is what we're talking about. Antibody-dependent enhancement, molecular mimicry, pathogenic priming. People are being hurt by this for this exact reason. No one explains why this is even remotely safe, let alone effective. It's not. But, it's as, but as long as it shows a clinical response, as Fauci claims, they claim it's safe and effective. Look, it showed antibodies. Are they the right ones? Who cares? That's where this is going. Here's someone, my cousin, who's five years old, had a stroke. Doctors can't find an explanation for it. No family history, no heart defects or health issues, except one, the mandated vaccination requirement to attend school. Why are we doing this to healthy kids when they don't work? 
Meanwhile, ignoring all of that, because it's all fake news, right? Big expose from the Hill. Overdosing on vitamin D supplements is possible and harmful. Gee, how it's what a what a danger that we're in risk of vitamin D supplement overdose. Isn't that isn't that a little bit isn't that a little bit uh, self-serving? Yeah, don't be careful not to take the one thing that can really clearly help you stay away from pretty much any kind of illness, help you, not completely stop it. But what's interesting is this is one of the main things that's shown to have the greatest effect in regard to helping you stop what they tell you is COVID-19. And there they are, downplay. Like, think about the, the, the small risk they're probably hyping here and ignoring massive risk. This seems wildly manipulative, intentional. Now, let's talk about monkeypox. Commercial labs to begin monkeypox testing, says the CDC. Right? This is starting. This is continuing. This is where it's going. The point is, if we're going to start testing, what tests are they using? Well, you'll quickly find out that they're using PCR tests, which you already knew because you watched the show. But they're what they claim. What I find very telling is here they say they're using orthopox virus tests. Okay, what is that? Well, people that don't know the word, it just means the general pox, smallpox, cowpox, horsepox, it's the, the whole category, right? So why would they go out of their way to not call it a PCR test? Because they know we know what that is. They know we know that doesn't work. So they just don't mention it. Oh, were you, do, they, do they call it a flu test? Well, I guess they do sometimes. But my point is, it's, no, I take that back. Because in this case, we're talking about a broader test. Anyway, the point is the same. They choose not to mention PCR. And I find that very telling. Here, just to make it clear, detection of orthopox DNA by real-time PCR. This is the test we're talking about. It's going to be continued to use or continue to be used. Now, this says rising monkeypox cases in San Francisco raise concern among health officials. Now, this is interesting to me because of the way that this is framed. California has the second highest number of monkeypox cases at 117. Now, aside from the couple, they're saying the, the three people they say they think might have died from this. There's been zero deaths. And they say they don't even, those ones don't even seem to be definitive. On top of that, we're talking about a PCR test that's calling all of this what it is. All of this is up in the air as far as I'm concerned. Doesn't mean it's all fake. But I believe that's what's happening. New York has reported 122. That's just cases of something that's generally mild for people. So we're told. So why is this continuing to be hyped? Several local clinics have traced transmission to at least one event that occurred during San Francisco Pride. Isn't that interesting? Why would this, why in the world would this focus or trace back to just one location and specifically a pride event? Because the point is, this has nothing to do specifically with just gay people or men and men sex. The point is, any case like that, going back to HIV, let's say, the argument was simply because of blood transmission, things that can have blood in the mix. And the point is, that is how you can transmit it. Well, you could argue that that might be something more prevalent in certain kinds of things, but it isn't only one category. So to argue that it's only gay men, men and men, uh, men having sex with men, which is what they keep saying, is just ridiculous. And I said that from the beginning. So this weird focus on this one event, it just seems, I don't know, it seems couched to me, my opinion. But it says, quote, it is an infection that is predominantly impacting men who have sex with men. That's the point. Although there is no biological reason for that, says the doctor. So why do we keep saying that? Because, I mean, right now, what we're going to show you is that's not even true. But they keep saying it. There's clearly a narrative here. Here's Tedros telling you that he's concerned by the scale and spread. 
and that we're going to reconvene the emergency council, just like we all knew they would and just like they did with COVID-19. No, it's not an emergency and we're going to reconvene in three days and call it an emergency then, which is ultimately what's happening. I continue to be concerned by the scale and spread of the virus across the world. There has now been more than 6,000 cases recorded in 58 countries. Testing remains a challenge, and it's highly probable that there are a significant number of cases not being picked up. Europe is the current epicenter of the outbreak, recording more than 80% of cases globally. In Africa, cases are appearing in countries not previously affected and record numbers are being recorded in places which have previous experience with monkeypox. My teams are following the data closely. I plan to reconvene the emergency committee so they are updated on the current epidemiology and evolution of the outbreak and implementation of countermeasures. I will bring them together during the week of 18th July or sooner if needed. WHO is working with countries and vaccine manufacturers to coordinate the sharing of vaccine which are currently scarce and need to be accessible to the most at-risk people with civil society and LGBTIQ plus community. What? <laughs> LGBTIQ plus? Who decides these things? Where is there some committee that votes on which one of the labels are allowed? There are a bazillion labels. It's totally a construct, right? You can be whatever you want. I identify as a lizard. That actually exists. So why isn't there uh, L-I in there? I guess L, but the point is, it's. I just had to laugh at that. LGBTIQ plus? I mean, this, that, this, it's just as ridiculous as everything else. IQ plus community, especially to break the stigma around the virus and spread information so people can protect themselves. I just wanted you to see that this is actually a WHO video, which means that stupid, as they called it in the chat, X-File music is added by them. Why would you not just present the facts? Why do you need some ominous background music to insinuate that we're in some kind of futuristic dystopian movie? Because that's what they're trying to do. I mean, I don't know how you would miss that. Why else would you put that music on there? Why wouldn't you just address the people and say, here are the facts, as your job is supposed to be, as 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 your non-doctor writes the WHO, right? Totally makes sense. Well, monkeypox cases rise 77% in a week. Oh, yeah, do they all die? No. Okay, so what are we talking about? Who reports concerned by the scale and spread of the virus using PCR tests? So are they even real? Who knows? Because it gets even more ridiculous when it turns out, oh, they're talking about asymptomatic monkeypox too. So this is the COVID illusion all over again. Says It said three people have now died in connection with the outbreak, all of them in Africa. Now note what they said there. It said, first of all, the WHO said it counted this many confirmed cases using PCR tests. So right there, you don't know for sure whether the deaths or the cases are even connected, especially when we're talking about possible asymptomatic, the illusion of that, rather. But it says in the increase of this many cases and June 27th, it said three people have now died in connection with the outbreak. That's not the way they, they would say three people died from monkeypox. And by the way, as somebody said in the chat or in the, in the comments before, I thought they were going to, oh no, that was, sorry, I think that was Emily, said, uh, I thought they changed into some other name. Isn't, are they, are they, isn't the WHO racist for calling it monkeypox? Remember that big push they said they were going to change the name? What happened to that? I mean, it was all virtue signaling. I mean, this is all stupid. 
But the point is, in connection with means it's possible. PCR test, this happened, and we think it's connected to the outbreak. That's not the same thing. Now, these three people, even if three people died, did they have other problems? Did they have comorbidities? Funny, that stuff doesn't matter now, right? It's just all in the beginning. We would hype whatever we can. The point is, though, even if it were three people that did, in fact, die, this is still wildly not dangerous for people, and they're aggressively pushing this. And I think it's going to lead to something else. And I'll get to that in a minute. Most monkeypox patients experience fever, body aches, chills, fatigue. Oh, you mean like literally every respiratory virus out there? <laughs> like the flu, like COVID, whatever they call that, whatever, anything? Yes. So if you have any symptoms, if you have a common cold and you add a PCR test illusion, bing, bang, boom, you got a monkeypox pandemic. People with more serious illness may develop a rash and lesions on the face and hands that can spread to other parts of the body. You know what can do that too? I've shown you like 11 peer-reviewed studies so the vaccines can cause exactly those kind of things in like six different problems. Scoli- um I forget that there's all sorts of different rash versions that look very similar, but it says the monkeypox virus does not usually spread easily among people, right? Until now, right? I mean, that's kind of the insinuation, but here's the point about the asymptomatic. Asymptomatic monkeypox virus infections among male sexual health clinic attendees in Belgium, which is interesting that they're using your personal sexual health clinic information to, I guess, investigate to see if people have monkeypox. And I guess they only choose to look at male sexual activity with other men, why exactly? I'm not sure. They just made that the case. But it says, we aim to assess whether asymptomatic infections occurred among individuals who underwent sexually transmitted infection screening. Now, it's in the start of the monkeypox epidemic. They're, they're, they're already calling this the 2022 monkeypox epidemic. In stored samples from 224 men, we identified three cases with a positive anorectal monkeypox PCR. All three men denied having any symptoms in the weeks before and after. So first of all, or second of all, PCR illusion. Second of all, could they lie? Could they be embarrassed? Could they be wrong? We'll just take their word for it. That's kind of good science, right? I mean, you could argue it's valuable. You can use it, but this is the observational at best. Nor did any of their contacts develop clinical monkeypox. Okay, so nobody around them had it. They didn't have it. All they have is a PCR test. They had no symptoms. You starting to get the picture? Follow-up samples were taken 21 to 37 days after the initial sample, by which time the monkeypox-specific PCR was negative. Spontaneous clearance of the infection, probably. Really? Most likely that it just randomly disappeared? How about the fact that you didn't have anything and you gave them a test with a dramatically high false positive rate? What was the cycle threshold? Oh, we leave that part out, of course. My God. This is dumpster fire, guys. This is pathetic. I'm not saying it's, I mean, my point would be maybe it's possible because I'm objective, right? But shouldn't we point out that the PCR test is not the right test to use? Should we point out that if they have no sam- no symptoms, that if nobody around them had it, there's no indication they ever even got sick, but because you tapped into their personal medical information and said they have sex with men, let's test. Come on. This is crazy to me. Now, finally... Oh, you saw my point. I just, I wrote this for myself. I can't wait for monkey 19 or COVID pox, you know, like Flurona, Delmacron. I can't wait for for them to tell us, which is going to be an illusion. Oh my God, they combined. Now it's dangerous. Now we're in trouble. Now people are dying. I'm guessing that's my shot in the dark, but it certainly seems like what we've seen before, doesn't it? Now to talk about the Dutch farmers, I'm kind of go to the last parts reasonably quick because we're over two hours I'm trying to keep, but this is an important conversation about the supply chain discussion. 
really this the, the point here is that this is people pushing back. Now I want to uh, let's I need to do one thing very quickly. We run this. How quick. it gets to the point well, where thing, things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, I, if I encroach on you, and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again, right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started, and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed. And if anybody's interested in this sort of process, and this is a horrifying book, if you want to read about how this process works, you can read a book called Ordinary Men. Now, the point, obviously, is that you can get driven to these positions. And I do think that there's actions that are involved here. Now, this, this is interesting to me because, first off, Dutch farmers, as it says, have blocked dozens of high roads and distribution centers. Lots of supermarkets are already out of milk, eggs. We're the second largest agriculture export in the world after America. Together we feed the world. Support our farmers. And this comes back to the point of shutting people down, restricting what they can do, whether COVID-related or supply chain, everything. So they're standing up putting their feet down and saying, you know what, you're not in control. You're supposed to be the living embodiment of our will, the whole, at least American democracy argument. Showing them that if we stand in your way, you have to essentially bend to the people's will, which by the way is supposed to be what they do anyway. But what's on top of that, the other side of it though, I can't help but point out that this is in its own way, I mean, not even its own way, very on the surface, exacerbating the same problem. Now, again, maybe that's the right choice to make. Maybe you call their bluff. I'm glad they're standing up. But I'd always have something in my mind that wonders if this is simply feeding the flame. Just something to consider. Nonetheless, as always, I support the right of people to stand up and make their make, speak their mind. And this shows you that there are people that are not taking what's happening. <clears throat> but there's a lot of this happening. No, This is Dutch supermarkets today. No farms, no food. Dutch farmers win. Well, yes, but people also lose, right? The average people also lose. And that's what's an interesting dynamic here. <clears throat> As Kean points out, the farmer protests here in the Netherlands, in his opinion, is 100% peaceful. They are outraged, yes, but these protesters and the leadership of them are committed to nonviolence. The police, well, not so much. By the way, we are seeing. A Dutch media claim that there's too much footage in social media giving the, quote, impressions of police violence. Well, what do you call bringing on two service dogs who deliberately bite an already helpless detainee? This Dutch police brutality and totally unnecessary. Guys, that's what's happening. Look, that dog is attacking his leg and they're just letting it happen. By the way, this is happening all over the place. France, UK, the United States. As long as you do the wrong thing, they don't care what happens to you. Right? If you challenge the vaccine, if you don't wear a mask, if you're yellow vests, right? This, isn't, this is pre-COVID stuff, guys. They will go after you. Now, the Dutch police have fired shots, by the way, literal shots at peaceful unarmed farmers. This is why you don't give up your guns, the person points out. Unarmed people don't stand a chance. That's his point. I agree with that. Not the sense that, you know, you have a right to defend yourself, ultimately, is where I take that from. But watch this, guys. This, these people are being, these police shoot at these people in the tractor. Hey, 
I mean, this stuff just gets out of control. And there's always rationalization from the media around this stuff. Now, this is pointing out closed airports, ports, distribution centers, supermarket chains, roads, highways, and strategic borders. Dutch farmers promised it. They're doing it. A colossal protest, but no Italian media talks about it. That's one of the biggest points. Just like what we keep telling you. They just will act like it's not happening because they don't want people to know that you can do this. If you actually have an event, and the point is not to fall into partisanship here, guys, just like the trucker protest, which they tried to make partisan, but it wasn't. It's just people standing up for their rights. But again, same point. This is also a double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean, don't they want this to happen? Breaking down the food chain, supply chain? I mean, I don't know. But again, I maybe this is the right action. Maybe they'll get results. Maybe it's the right point. Well, it's hard to say. Guilty as charged. Um, Dr. Dan Stock, uh, 5777 West 700 North McCord. Sorry about that. <laughs> my uh, my second half here causing a little trouble in the background, I guess, for 10 seconds. All right, so continuing. This is something that I think needs to be pointed out on both sides. Now, here, this, this goes further. Not just in the case of of, uh, you know, in, in this, this Dutch discussion, Dutch farmers, but all over the world, we're seeing this, guys. We are seeing this explode. And I don't think they want people to acknowledge that this is happening. At the same time, they want to point at it and make it, you know, make these people look like bad people, terrorists overthrowing their government, right? Instead of people that are just fed up with illegal actions by the people claiming to do things for them. Now, as always, I do not advocate for violence, but this needs to be we need to recognize this is happening. This is Ghana, anti-inflation, anti-government inflation. It's 27%, highest in 20 years. People are just fed up. have Italian taxi drivers on the hunt for politicians try to enter parliament in Rome. The patience of the Italian people is over. You know, I mean, this, this is, I mean, this would be framed as something like a January 6th and so on, you know, and maybe, maybe I, I don't know the full story in regard to what fully happened or whether they're committing acts of violence and so on. But the bottom line is that not to make the justify or rationalize good or bad, but just simply to show you that people are fed up and it's not just high gas prices or supply chains because Ukraine, it's also COVID-19 restrictions, loss of rights. This is happening around the world. So just recognize that this is justified in regard to people being upset. But I just don't stand by violent action. I just never do. But I understand it. I understand why people would lose their minds when put in a position where their families are suffering for other people, governmental actions that challenge the very foundation of what you believe your country exists for. The Netherlands is becoming a dictatorship, right? Look, look at these people fighting. Prime Minister Rute, Rutte, I believe, and Cog, maybe that'd be different, say the Dutch people, quote, you will owe nothing and you'll be happy. Of course, quoting the WEF, just to make sort of a joke, the idea is they are part of the WEF. Something to consider. 
as these people, as these police are literally boxing in the streets with civilians. I mean, look at this, guys. This is off the rails. Now, Sky News Australia, interestingly, calls this out. I mean, obviously, this is a partisan outlet, like a lot of them are, but Sky News is a corporate outlet. You'll be surprised by what they report here. Sky News host Rowan Dean says the Netherlands seem to be sliding into dictatorship under Prime Minister Mark Rutte as its national government has been, quote, penetrated by global activists from the World Economic Forum. That's actually what he discusses. Check this out. This, I mean, this is interesting. Now, I don't necessarily align with everything Sky News says or anybody for that matter, but the point is that this is a valid concern regardless of what you think, that if this is, you think this is partisan, where you think they're coming from, this is a valid point to make here. Oh, I, I swear I had that downloaded. I guess not. Let me see if this is loud. Rota, there we go. There leader of the somewhere else that seems to be sliding into dictatorship is Holland, which may not entirely be a coincidence. The similarities between Canada and Holland are as startling as they are disturbing. Here's Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte, leader of the laughably and ironically named People's Party for Freedom and Democracy. Apart from obviously sharing the same wacky lefty sense of humour, those two both are, of course, golden pinup boys for Klaus Schwab and the globalist fantasists of the World Economic Forum. Only a few months ago, it was the Canadian government that attacked its own citizens in the most grotesque and terrifyingly authoritarian manner during the so-called truckers' convoy revolts, when the government actually froze the bank accounts and basically starved out any individuals involved in what was legitimate, peaceful, democratic opposition to COVID mandates. That ended badly for Trudeau, particularly after this shameful incident in which Canadian mounted police trampled over a peaceful woman protester. Hang on. I've seen something like that before, haven't I? Reminds me of some. Oh, yes, Melbourne under Dan Andrews. Media! 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 Yeah, that doesn't matter. Media, 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 hit him in the face, right? Doesn't matter. Now, again, someone in the chat points out, this is basically Aussie Fox News, which is irrelevant, guys. It matters, but in the point of this, it's not, I mean, I don't see Fox News, call, and maybe Tucker is the, the point, of, you know, maybe the exception, which I think is a release valve, in my opinion, but the idea of addressing the full picture in regard to the globalist agenda, the World Economic Forum, infiltrating the governments, and the point of the, in showing these, showing these points, it, it's undeniable. They are beating up people for being present. And journalists and people like, and I'm, again, I'm not supporting the partisanship of the media. I'm simply pointing out that this is being addressed on corporate media level. The very things that we were censored for even discussing in the beginning of this. Think about that. Now, on top of that, as the supply chain issue continues to get worse, which, again, regardless of whether it was benefiting them in their protest, their actions in the Dutch pro- farmer protest, it, it helped progress the problem. 
Again, even if it's a means to an end for the right reasons, I'm not just, I, I'm, I stand behind their actions. But it says UN warns of looming hunger catastrophe. Why? Due to the Russian blockade. Yeah, they're still pushing that lie, sort of like they're pushing the idea of the r- Russian raping children idea, even though the Ukraine government, the person herself, all admitted it was completely made up from whole cloth. So think about how dumb this is. Yeah, they're warning of it because of the Russian blockade of the mines they claim they put in the, in the area, right? Well, do, I guess I need to make that point again. Here is uh, Austin, Lloyd, or excuse me, Millie, pointing out that that's not true, as they discussed this before that came out. And you have the people pointing this out as well, but that's you didn't, shouldn't trust the people's comments on Twitter. Here's what I always show you. This is India Today back in May before this was pushed out. Addressing, using sources from the Ukraine government to point out that, as it says, the biggest challenge that the Russian forces are facing is the Sea of Azov, which, by the way, is laden with sea mines. As a part of the military strategy to avoid Russian naval invasion, they in, the entire seawater was mined. And it simply says down here that from the entire area, not just one area, but from every, it says every one of them, from the Sea of Zazov to the Black Sea, which banks the, criti- the critical city of Odessa, have been mined. Then they come out and go, Russia mined everywhere. Sorry, guys, you already admitted that you did that. But again, they just love to go, it's Russia's fault, as they create a food shortage. As Puxley points out, now they're, they are saying it's even the refrigerated trucks themselves that are causing climate change because transporting veggies are worse than private planes. Now, even if there's a valid point to be made there, it's the point is they're attacking from every angle. The idea that giving give, the current supply chain, it doesn't work. So we need to reimagine it. And can you guess what they're going to reimagine it as? This is crazy time. Now, interestingly enough, in the same context of the farmer conversation, this happens alongside that. And this is alarming. Right now, Bill Gates is individually the largest farm owner, farmland owner in the United States because he bought it all up when they all went out of business when they forced everybody to shut down. That's criminal in and of itself, especially since he had foreknowledge to everything we're talking about. But this goes on to point out the Daily Mail, Bill Gates wins legal approval. This is on the 30th of June to buy a huge swath of North Dakota farmland worth $13.5 million after outcry from residents who say they're being exploited by the ultra-rich. Because they are. The only reason they're able to scoop this up is because these people have been forced out of their jobs, just like we're seeing in in Dutch area and everywhere else. Dutch, Netherlands, correct me in the chat, whatever the appropriate term there would be, I'm blanking on it. But this is alarming stuff that's continuing. And it says Gates is the largest private owner of farmland in the United States after quietly amassing some 270,000 acres across dozens of states. Why is it not alarming to everybody? As he has a fake meat company, right? According to last year's edition of the Land Report 100, an annual survey of the nation's largest landowners. Now, even the fake meat discussion aside, the control of the food supply is alarming. Like, that's not even hypothetical. You're watching that happen. Just because you want to say, oh, he's a good guy with altruistic intentions, that's stupid. Even if you're right, it's a dumb thing to say. How in the world do you know what his intentions are? That's alarming because one person controlling the flow of that much agricultural land is crazy. That's supply chain control or going toward it. But on top of that, from another angle, from a quick foreign policy point, this is equally alarming. Chinese companies are purchasing North Dakota farmland alongside Bill Gates, which is very weird, isn't it? farmland and raises national security concerns in Washington. Okay, so Bill Gates buying up most of it around the country, 270,000 acres, 
That's no big deal. Chinese companies, who, by the way, have some interesting connections to Bill Gates, but alongside people in the country, in the same state at the same time, are buying up farmland. Guys, what in the world is going on? Nobody in the corporate scene, government, media, nobody's caring about whatever really is happening behind the scenes. Cabinets quitting, people being shot. This is out of control. Not to necessarily suggest that all of it's connected, but we can see what something, these pieces are connected. We can prove, and I mean prove, all the things we talk about and the risks, the dangers. This stuff, though, is the kind of tangential things happening around it all, but it's pretty obvious there's something strange going on. Now, finally, in this point, uh, Vonovia, Germany, Germany's largest housing group, has now begun to throttle its tenants' heating at night to save gas, a spokeswoman said. Hundreds of thousands are affected. Now, it, as far as I understand it, plenty of places, maybe all around Germany, it snows, right? During the summer, during the wintertime. It can. So are you? A, do you know whether they're in danger? Are you just cutting their heat because of a certain marker? Are you going to put people in a freezing situation? Are people going to get sick? I mean, that's just a crazy thing to talk about. If they're paying for it, what are we... This is putting... Our obje- subjective, you know, the argument being the surface level point that they're fighting for the environment, which is not even what I believe is happening, to say that it's more important to control, regardless of what you want, the flow of this because we're saving the planet. We don't care if you're paying for it. What? Aren't these companies with in, with profit models? So now it's you're going to sacrifice profit to save the world. I mean, this is there's something else behind this. Whether we're talking about, you know, uh, so, um. Same word I used before, I'm blanking all of a sudden. Um, you know, the government's coming in and, and giving them money and resources behind it all, like the CARES Act and these different things that gave these companies massive bailout money, which allowed them to undermine their business model for COVID-19 before it all started. That's what I believe is happening in a lot of ways. But this is just one example more further in the direction of the Great Reset idea, the control of your life. Now, what happens when these smart meters are saying, well, oh, you didn't say the right thing, so cut your power off, or you didn't put your, you don't have enough social credits to keep this going. That's not a hypothetical. That's literally happening in China. Here we are, guys. Bad guy China, welcome to the same thing. Now, in that same vein, as we're talking about gas being cut off for the saving of the planet, talk about hypocrisy. This is the final segment today. This is ridiculous. And, and just hypocritical, this is an Orwellian point if I've ever seen one. The European Parliament, European Union Parliament, has declared nuclear power and gas as green energy. It's not a joke. It's not the Babylon Bee. This is actually happening. This is like bees or fish and whatever other nonsensical things they want to spin out. Everything means nothing. Nothing means everything. So it's only when they point it out. Your energy is bad, but when we do it. It's for freedom, right? So it's it's sustainable because we're fighting in Ukraine. That's actually what's happening here. As I said, war is peace, freedom is slavery, and it's strength. 1984, directly from the book, right? That's in. If you haven't read the book, I highly recommend it. That's the state. That's the statement. War is peace, freedom is slavery, and it's strength. That's what's happening right now. How in the world are you going to pretend that nuclear energy and gas, so therefore oil? is green. I'll tell you why. Here's their argument, and you can laugh at it with me. Oh, by the way, I covered this discussion. I don't know why that's not loading now. I covered this discussion in a previous report, which you guys can check out. There we go. Now you can just, this was the discussion. Uh, oh, the, the the title wasn't, it wasn't, it's not in the title, but you can see right down here. 
in the links, which again, for those who don't know, new to the show, every single show, I sometimes I lag on getting them there, stuff going on in life I give, but I will always get the, the links there for everybody. Weapons go green. That's the segment you want to check out. But we'll, I'll, I'll give you the breakdown right now. Here's the guy I saw it and just to give him a shout out as well. What keeps happening? Here we go. This is the show that, that uh, I caught. That, Unbelievable. That uh, gave me the insight. So I always like to give people a shout out. Not very familiar with his work, but nonetheless, Europe may label weapons green for easier investing rules. So this is where it started, right? Here's the article he's pointing at. This hadn't happened at the time. They were simply discussing whether or not they should make weapons and gas and nuclear power green. Just like that. Just change the rules because we want to, but you still have to have carbon credits, right? Here it is in Bloomberg. Weapons Group points to Ukraine in bid to shape the ESG rulebook. ESG, of course, well, here now it's behind a paywall. Obviously now it wasn't before, but the Wayback Machine, of course. ESG stands for, where was it? Right here. Environmental, Social, and Governance. And the idea, and I'll show you the article in the end, Derek's article about this, it's how there's, it's social credit, right? This is them essentially gambling on you and your actions as chattel. And the idea is here, we have weapons companies petitioning the government of Europe to say, hey, we're, we're not getting as many sales these days because you're all going green, so let's make it green. And our argument is because without weapons, we can't fight the bad guys, therefore we can't fight for freedom and green stuff. Right? So yeah, let's call weapons green. Despite the fact that weapons and the pollution they produce, they, when they burn them, use them, everything else, attack people, are way worse than anything we're talking about, on top of the fact that it destroys utterly, there's nothing sustainable, equitable, clean, anything about this stuff. Here's what it says. February 28th. With a Russian invasion right on its doorstep, yep, exactly. Ukraine was already being used to push this kind of stuff, You justifying that we're fighting for freedom, therefore this is an acceptable argument. Europe now finds itself discussing whether weapons should be listed as ESG assets to grant them more favorable access to financing, meaning that they'll, they'll be allowed under a equitable, sustainable future model to invest in weapons manufacturing because it's green, right? Right, guys? How they, they think you're children. They think you're that stupid and you're not. The bloc is about to embark on the next stage of taxonomy intended to define environmental, social, and governance investing rules. The platform on sustainable finance. A group convened by the European Union published its blueprint for the kinds of activities that might be deemed socially sustainable on Monday. This list includes guidelines on pay, gender, equality, and humane supply chains. Yeah, because weapons fall right in line, don't they? (laughs) The platform's proposed blacklist includes cigarettes, goods produced as a result of forced labor, all of that, by the way, (laughs) cigarettes kill people, that's why they don't talk about it, they're harmful, and forced labor. All of that is included in weapons manufacturing all around the world. And we know this. They know that. On the question of weapons, it says the EU should simply draw on existing international protocols and conventions. According to the group, a German defense industry lobby group, Russia's invasion of Ukraine last week is highly relevant to the question of social sustainability in Europe. How exactly? It's one of those abstract arguments like, well, because Iranian government, the Iran government doesn't do what we tell them to. And we tell them, if you don't, we're going to starve your people. Therefore, Iran's starving their people, right? No, your government is starving people because they won't, you can't get out of them what you want. You can't make that Iran starves their people. That's the brother hitting you, just stop hitting yourself kind of thing, right? So what they're doing here is simply arguing backwardly that because these weapons are used to maintain their global vision of sustainability, fighting the bad evil enemies around the world that don't that, that are acting against the green it's, it's not even true 
that that somehow translates to using weapons are sustainable. That's just broken logic. That's not even logic. Quote, the invasion of Ukraine shows how important it is to have strong national defense, warns this lobbying group. I appeal to the EU to recognize the defense industry as a positive contribution, get this, to social sustainability under the ESG taxonomy, right? So because it defends the country that then arguably fights for those things, therefore weapons are those things. You know how dumb that is? You could make that argument for a thousand things they would laugh at you about. You could make arguments like that with vaccines, right? Bears and so on. By correlation, therefore is. It's stupid. The EU has previously, it's, I mean, I should put it this way. There's connections that are valid. You can make a valid point because of a correlation. But as always, it's not absolute. And we know that. The EU has previously signaled a willingness to listen to some of the defense industry's arguments. I wonder why. And over the weekend, Germany's chancellor, Olaf Scholz, announced a massive boost in defense spending. Quote, with the invasion of Ukraine, we're in a new era. Oh, are we now? You mean that's different than the last time they invaded other countries or anybody invaded when U.S. invaded a thousand other countries? No, it's the same thing. It's just they frame it differently. War is war. We're not in a new era. It's the same damn thing over and again. He unveiled plans for, guess what, a hundred billion euros. It's $113 billion in U.S. dollars. Modernizing German, Germany's military. Even without social taxonomy anywhere near completion, social investing is already attracting billions of dollars. The bloc has itself sold 100 billion euros of debt tied to a pandemic jobs program, receiving record investing demand in the process. So we're using the pandemic, using the Ukraine propaganda to drive their agenda. Nothing new. Efforts to produce a social taxonomy come after the EU fielded harsh criticism for including gas and nuclear energy in its green taxonomy. So they already tried and they got called out for it. A move the bloc argues will help smooth the transition to cleaner energy. Oh, I see. So by including the very thing you want to remove in the under the argument that they're already part of Equitable's future will help you transition faster? I mean, that's how do you even make sense of that? That is corporate logic. But climate activists, the very people that they're doing this for ostensibly, ostensibly, Climate activists, investors, and a number of EU member states have already slammed the decision, which they say undermines the green vision, which, by the way, the green vision in and of itself is a broken agenda, which is actually hiding the corporate agenda. But even though these people don't know that, they believe they're fighting for the green vision, and they're the ones going, that's not green. Those are weapons and gas. But they don't care, though. As you already know, it already happened. The platform was among those to condemn the move. So, again, to make sure you didn't forget... As of July 6th, they all, they just declared nuclear power and gas as green energy. So why not just make oil, or, uh, you know, what else? Why not just make coal mining green? Why not? If he makes money, I mean, it's the same stupid argument because it, it leads to this, which does that. Therefore, it's green. No, probably not because Trump likes coal. So ugh, bad news. Here's the last point. It's just ES, ESG assets rising to 50 trillion will reshape 140.5 trillion of global AUM by 2025. This is big business, guys. Gambling on you. Here's Derek's article to finish off the show today, starting and finishing. Derek's doing excellent work. The coming terror of social impact finance and social credit scores. So it gets into a whole grouping of topics that are all in the same wheelhouse. So read this. It's super important where this is all going and how they're using you and your social credit to gamble. You are simply a game to them. The point is, 
in regard to that one point, the one ESG discussion. One specific method for measuring the success of these programs they're implementing right now using you as the tools is to base them on environmental, social, and governance criteria, ESG. ESG investing is also sometimes referred to as sustainable investing. You know, gas and nuclear technology, right? It's responsible investing, like gas and nuclear technology, or socially responsible investing. No, same thing. None of those apply. The practice has become an increasingly popular way to promote the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which include gas, oil, and nuclear technology. No, it doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter. This is all an illusion. It's all about control. And the bottom line is they are ridiculous about it now. We see it. You see it. The world sees this, guys. And that's the real point. People around the world, with their protests, with everything else happening, they see what's going on. You see what's going on. The majority see what's going on. You are not alone. This is more evident than it's ever been. It's just time to keep pushing. Do not back down. Continue to get this out there. Because this stuff is blatant. They're in, I mean, I don't even see how they are. The, I mean, this is the kind of cartoonish discussion that we've been seeing the entire time. But now their very science is backing it up. Right? It's, it's, it's crazy to see how clear this has become. So help me get this out. Keep putting this in front of people because guys, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I, to say we won something, for instance, is not the right statement because they will never stop trying to reinitiate, redesign, come from a different angle, use a different, you know, manipulation to manipulate people into the next step. But the point is to be very clear, you are having an effect. You individually and community and independent media have effectively changed the direction of what's happening. That is a big deal. That is why they're so aggressively trying to stop people like us from having objective, sound conversation. Not saying we know this and we know that, but simply looking at the data, the facts, and objectively conversing about it and allowing other people's thoughts. That scares the hell out of them. And you know why. Now, well, the frustrating part to finish and end with is the idea that we have people in the independent media that are afraid to talk with people like us because they themselves are trying to tap into the same manipulation, you know, for ratings and so on, even if they're doing good work. There's a means to that. There's it reaches people. But at the end of the day, it's time to put this all aside. Let's stop half-stepping through this. Stand up and have some courage to call it what it is. These are dangerous. They're hurting people. People are dying. Ukraine is not what it looks like. Let's be have the courage to stand up for the damn obvious truth, guys. It just is that simple. So I love you all. She's 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 sleeping right here. Right, right beneath me. <laughs> it's 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 a it's a fun game to keep her in line while I'm doing the show. But you know, she's gonna she's gonna do well. She's she's a new part of the show, guys, and she keeps me going. But this is important. We're fighting for everything we care about. We're fighting for your children. We're fighting for our lives. We're fighting for your grandmother that they told you were killing. We're fighting for the continuity of what we believe in, what we think this country represents and what all of your countries represent. That's what we're doing. And the very people acting like they're fighting for it are the ones pulling it out of your hands at every moment. Stand up. Fight back. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I see all the people led into deception by the very men found to care. 
Blinded by the promises Unknowingly sold to spare So leave your herd of sheep And follow this shepherd to revolutionary ends The world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game I'll become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for Revolution Revolution Revolutions now It's happening all around you If you cannot see Pull aside the curtain And see the war machine It's time for you to rise up Rise up and prepare So arm your fellow man Cause it's become destructive To its own ends world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for Revolution Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare. So arm your fellow man, cause it's become destructive to its own ends. World that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for The revolution Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, you pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare. So arm your fellow man, they become destructive to their own ends. 
girl that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are they ready for? Are they ready for? Are they ready for? We the people.